it the top rope just folds over the top of his head and then smashes him in the forehead when his whole body ricochets off the second rope forward. Welcome to 141 and two thirds percent, the wrestling podcast, hosted by two lapsed wrestling fans who could literally stop watching wrestling anytime. My name is Tyler, and I'm Will. I don't think we're uh, gonna stop watching anytime soon, though. Things are I, things are pretty spicy right now. Uh, they're spicy, but it's I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe it's because I've been getting used to the product after like six months of just being like in the in like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory and just going like. Wow, Braun Breaker. Wow, Logan Paul. Wow, L.A. Knight. You know, it was it was a really hot, a big hot zone. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just getting my hype is like dying down a little bit because there was a number of episodes, including the PLE uh, Elimination Chamber, where I thought there was there was a lot of by the numbers stuff. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say right at the top here, I did not catch SmackDown. Nope, I was too busy playing the worst show of my goddamn life. In Canmore, Alberta. <laughs> do, do you want to do you want to illuminate the listeners, or you just want to move right forward into the no? Because <laughs> I, I I honestly I'm I I don't want to I don't want to point any fingers or say too much, but uh, you know there's a real possibility that people at that show could be listeners of this show, and uh, I, I, I I I we we all know like look it's no it's no secret to anybody that was in that room how bad that night was. But I don't want to go any further than that because otherwise I'm going to be opening up a can of worms and, and, and DMs <laughs> that I don't want to be answering. But it was not fun. So Fair instead enough. of watching SmackDown, which had LA Knight and DM Hunk himself, I was playing drums to five people in a room. Oh, well. Fair, fair enough for sure. I want to uh, just apologize to the listeners today. I'm in a different recording location, so you might pick up some weird sounds on the recording that you don't normally hear. Because I had a, it was my birthday last week, and I had a party, so the house is a bit rearranged to my normal recording spot. The table is not there. It is in a different location for optimal partying feng shui. Optimal so uh, you might hear shui. a little, uh, <laughs> you might hear some clips and clops coming, because I'm, I'm in a different room than normal. And <laughs> I'm not too sure what it'll pick up here. And I got hungry cats. I'm surrounded by hungry cats right now. And they oh, keep dude. meowing at me, so you might get a couple meows too. Dude, you don't even know what a hundred cats even looks like. I, 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 my, my sister-in-law works for the SPCA, so she takes a bunch of cats home just to get them acclimatized to, well, to being with other cats before she takes them to the, to the actual shelter. She has hundreds of cats, literally, Ooh. hundreds God, of cats. It sounds like a nightmare for me. Yeah, I have yeah. four, and let me tell you, that's too many already. Yeah, yeah, by, I, by at least two. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's dive in here today because there is a lot to talk about. We even got a PLE on the docket to get into that was aired like aired at three o'clock in the morning for us. Did you stayed up for it? Didn't you? Yeah. Before we get into that, I'm just gonna want I want to touch on two quick pieces of news before we jump in. But yes, I did watch Elimination Chamber live at three a.m. in our time zone, which wow. was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to cut, touch on a couple news points here. Two deaths that have occurred in the week since we recorded last. Uh, Ole Anderson has died. Yes. A foundational member of the Anderson Wrestling quote-unquote family. Uh, intricate member of the Four Horsemen. Four Horsemen. Uh, cause of death still hasn't been released uh, to my knowledge. But, you know, it was confirmed a couple days ago that, that he had passed and... 
I do know that he was struggling with some some issues with his health, as most older wrestlers do. Uh, I know that he um, he was he was nursing some broken ribs uh, not too long ago, and that he had a MS diagnosis about a decade ago. So I'm sure complications of that led into it. It was nice of um, the WWE to acknowledge it on air. They they touched it, touched on it on Raw, I believe, this week. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and that's good. That that's that's nice of them to do. I don't believe Ole ever worked directly with the WWE, and in fact, knowing where he's from, the Minnesota wrestling scene, he probably hated the WWE for ruining the business. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a good. It was nice of them to shout him out on their programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for a corporate conglomerate, that is the actual definition of a monopoly. Really. Yeah, I can see why he probably wasn't a big fan. But hey, yeah, you're right. It's at least it was nice. At least it was nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good it was a good touch. And I, I you know, a hell of a life. I think he was eighty one when he died, so uh kudos to him for putting in a shift and and having uh, quite a full life. And then another uh death happened not too long ago, I believe it was yesterday. Virgil. Virgil. Uh, Ted DiBiase's main uh T- Ted DiBiase's main man. He was a bit of a problematic figure, born Michael Jones. He was a, you know, fixture on the convention scene in the years since he stopped wrestling. He wouldn't miss a show from what I gather online. A lot of people were uh, cracking jokes about him, you know, being at the great signing table in the sky, uh, ready (laughs) to sell shirts to Jesus. Uh, He did have some controversial opinions in his later years, especially like around COVID. I won't get into it too much. I'll leave it to the listener to dive in if at their leisure, if they wish. Right. Uh, right. Seemed like kind of a weird dude, but yeah, another guy who had some health problems because of wrestling. Uh, It's hard to not to throw too much shade at the dead here, but he was kind of a tall teller. So, you know, he did say that uh, he had, Suffered a couple strokes and had been diagnosed with dementia a couple years ago. And then later he also said he was diagnosed with stage 2 colon cancer. So I can't speak to the veracity of all of those comments. We'll take them at his word because right, uh, right. it's not now it's not the time to shit on him too much. But yeah, uh, yeah, like uh, rest in peace to both of those legends of wrestling. Um, you know, it's always terrible for these wrestlers as they get older, especially from that era where... We weren't protecting the talent as much. They had to prove themselves multiple times in multiple territories and companies and stuff. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a, t- a tough life on the road, right? And yeah. uh, you you have just a brief sliver of it in some of the stuff you do with your band. Well, um, yeah. That's not even it's not approaching even approaching what they have to suffer through for touring. Yeah. No. 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 I I wouldn't even say it's comparable at all. Like what I do doesn't put my body through it, like a fraction, like a like a barely a percent of what they put their bodies through. I just complain about car- carrying heavy things for about ten minutes and then it's over. Yeah. No. You know. Uh. Speaking just before we move on from Virgil, for when I saw the news and saw his picture, the picture that was brought up on my on my uh social media looked exactly like tommy lister jr do you know who tommy lister jr is oh yeah of course yeah okay so i thought it was tommy lister jr and i was talking to my fiance about this going like i think the guy from friday's dead and she's like ice cube no 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 one important no no the other guy the guy that was stealing the people's bikes in friday she's like oh who are you talking about? I'm like, never mind. But it turns yeah, out I, I was it. wrong. No fuck. Completely different guy. But uh, I mean, I'm glad to see that Tommy Lister is still going well. 
Oh, no, never mind. He died two years, four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, not doing well. Not doing great. You know, could be better. <laughs> you took a swing and you missed You missed bad. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Uh, I, I even had his bio, like, right up here on my screen here, and I uh, just scrolled down and, like, died December 10th, 2020. Oops. Oops. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, rest well, in peace, on. all three. <laughs> let's get into uh let's get into some actual uh wrestling today so uh yeah so smackdown february 23rd in salt lake city again um so i looked into this after you know i started watching smackdown they didn't say where they were i saw some familiar faces in the crowd and i'm like oh i think this is just salt lake city again i think they're just running it back and i looked into it and they did indeed record the second smackdown Right after the live SmackDown from the week before, the one that was broadcast uh, live on February 16th. Makes um, sense. Or, yep, 16th, yep. So, uh, yeah, so not, you kind of expect not much to really happen here as far as story development because it is on tape delay and they want to, you know, acknowledge the fact that Elimination Chamber is quote unquote tomorrow, even though they're recording it a week in advance and they don't want to, you know, let on too many plot points to spoil, yeah, to go on yeah. at EC. Uh, it makes now it's made more sense when I saw that last week Liv, last SmackDown Liv had said tomorrow in reference to the Elimination Chamber, um, as we now hear the uh, garage door closing underneath me and <laughs> my warning about recording spaces was founded. Uh, um, yeah, so uh, I, that's it makes more sense now that she had said tomorrow during a, a backstage uh, interview promo thing. Um, she probably was just confused as to when that segment was going to air, and no one said, "Hey, this one's actually airing live. <laughs> this isn't a re- or this recorded tape is is airing later today, not next week before." <laughs> but yeah, um, so we start off with uh, oh, this was another thing that actually helped give it away that it was a, a same night was uh, Bianca came out um, to start the show off wearing the same thing she was wearing when they all brawled uh, the last SmackDown. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, not even a costume change for that. I, I figured she was coming out to guest commentate, but she kind of just did the thing where she sits beside the commentator's table and doesn't actually commentate. She just yeah. sat there to watch the uh, Liv and Tiff match. I, I watched a little bit of this, and uh, I thought it, it was kind of weird because we've had so many wrestlers come and do commentary alongside the announce team. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, like uh, most notably like uh, Logan Paul and LA Knight, which were great when they did it. Um, I wonder if this was a creative choice or maybe this was a bait Bianca choice to go like, ah, you know what? I'm not, I'm just going to sit there, not sit there. Cause she didn't sit there. She got up and got mixed, mixed into uh, the situation a little bit, but maybe it was a creative choice. Like ah, maybe she doesn't have the commentating skills quite yet, or doesn't have that like Mike, personality to be a commentator while also trash talking and all that sort of stuff like like la Knight or logan paul who feed into that and i feel like heels are probably like not heels but like the heelish type characters like logan paul like la Knight, where they have like this brash attitude to for them those guys make the most sense to add to the commentating team when these events especially given the smackdown commentating team as it is i would say that you could have probably got away with it because she's more of a face and the current smackdown team is a bit more heelish 
right? Because it's like Baird and Graves are on SmackDown, right? I'm not, I'm not misconstruing that, right? And then yeah. Cole and and yeah, so it would have made a little bit more sense for Bianca to be on there just because she would have been the face in in the group. But but I digress. It's, it wasn't that important. Tiv, Tiv versus Liv, Liv is <laughs> Tiv versus Liv, Liv versus Tiff is the first one. Uh, for for SmackDown, uh, Tiv with uh, a lot of classic heel work here. You know, you can see why she's so highly touted because she really understands the psychology of the ring. Uh, yeah. You know, just like really basic classic heel work, but still well done. You know, just even just getting right at the beginning of the match, kind of getting Liv getting a few shots on her and her walking out of the ring, saying "I'm out of here." You know, talking shit to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, getting that. getting Liv to drag her back into it. Uh, really solid. Um, slap on Bianca by by Tiff too. Did not hold him back at all. That was a you know it's it's got to be difficult when you're in that position and you're slapping one of like the you know premier women in the company and you're brand new to the show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that... brand new to wrestling. Honestly, she's only been in for a few years. Well, I think like I think this is something that maybe Shawn Michaels is uh, ingraining in the newer generation of wrestlers is it's okay to hit each other. I feel like there's been times in the past where people keep like working a little too safe. Tiff and uh, Braun Breaker are two of these new two two people in this new crop that's coming up that can hit. And like we saw Tiff in this match hit hard, and then we'll see like when we talk about Elimination Chamber, like Tiff was Tiff hit like she she can throw her body weight into this and and fuck some people up and make it look great at the same time. So I really appreciate that when somebody comes up and like, let's like, let's throw down like, yeah, it's it's we're we're acting. It's theater in the round, but we're also kind of fighting like, come on, guys, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you got to lean into it. You can't be 100 percent safe here. It's the nature of the business. It's the nature of the business. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was a solid match. It was nothing too special. Pretty simple stuff. Uh, it was a solid win for, for Tiff, even with the interference. Nice to see her get uh, a victory over, you know, an established wrestler in the company. Um, but something about Bianca, man, like, I don't really like Bianca Belair, and I, I've expressed that on this this podcast before, and I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, I, I, I can make assumptions, like... I don't like the hair bit. I don't like the gimmick. <laughs> you don't like the EST? I don't like... I do not like the EST. I don't think that's very smart either. I think it's a kind of a case of the work getting the gimmick over as opposed to the gimmick getting the work over. She's so solid in the ring, but I don't like the EST. I don't like the hair thing. I don't like the bubbly smiles regardless of her situation and where she is on the card and who oh, she's man. fighting. She just kind of smells like 2015 WWE to me. And I think in the same way where we see like Ivar and the Viking Raiders. Sure. Yeah. Being a holdover from like the eighties, nineties style WWE gimmicks. For me, it's like Bianca's almost a holdover from that no man's land time between like 2010 and 2020. Uh, like just a weird concoction that I just not really a fan of i i i think she's in desperate need of a heel turn i don't think she's ever really had a solid one no and but she is in that scene level where she's incredibly popular she's really popular with the kids she really is bubbly and smiley and gets over with 
as as a, as a true baby, and maybe they just don't want to turn her because they don't want to judge. And also, she's got a television show right yes. now, yes, so yes, it's yes. not really the time for it either. Love and WWE season one. I think I mentioned it last episode that Kate watched the entire season of it while waiting for me to be done one of my recording session recording session nights that take me like four hours so she's crushed the whole goddamn thing and now she's a baby bianca fan she loves her i like i like her as a human i have no (laughs) like nia Jax. i don't think i like as a human (laughs) i don't know if that's just so much of my hatred towards her in-ring work that it's bleeding over to her personality but anytime i've ever seen her interviewed i've just been very unimpressed with her charisma and attitude uh that's enough on that that's enough of me talking <laughs> shit about women for the fucking first match though so yeah, yeah solid match this episode off. usually you try to keep this like buried in maybe like hour two <laughs> we still have to talk about the ec women's so you know let's keep it for that hey there's positives um drew drew has is doing a quick promo and lashley's talking shit to him they're building a little thing there we'll see if that goes anywhere there's been a lot of like multiple setup stuff going on over the last few weeks um kind of leaving options open for for mania and stuff so i don't i'm not sure if we're going to see anything about that anytime soon or if it was just a kind of a little thing to insert there that that kind of everyone is sick of drew shit right now and then we get this weird segment with adonis and cedric alexander getting paired up I had no clue that they were paired up. I don't know if it's like happening on NXT or this is them seeding the first bits of it um, where, you know, I think it was they were trying to find Cedric ring attire and Adonis was like, nah, nah, that's not good for me, dog. Nope, don't like that one. Eat shit. That one sucks. Um, It's just weird, you know, like for for those of you who aren't aware or don't remember Adonis, he's the the hit row guy who is not Uncle Phil. (laughs) Uncle Phil got fired. And Cedric was part of the Hurt Business with Bobby Lashley, which I desperately wish they brought back instead of whatever they're doing right now with Lashley. Or I wish they just had called it Hurt Business 2.0 and maybe thrown MVP in there. I don't know. Whatever. It's not important. Right. Um, A third exclusively black tag team seems a bit strange to me. It just like, you know, not, not to boil things down to race, but... You know that that is it, it's big characters. It's that's what WWE is all about, right? And just like things like race can be an identifier um, it, for a tag team. You know, it could start off as that's the black tag team, that's the Viking tag team, that's the jock tag team, right? Um, and now you have a third black tag team in the mix. And like, I don't have any problem discerning between the three of them, but I don't know about the casual fan. You know, I don't know if uh, if if Cedric and and Adonis, whatever they end up getting called, are just going to get lost in the shuffle. But we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. And then a weird promo with the Bloodline talking about Raw. And I, I just say weird this. because... I, it was just weird because, like... I assume it was recorded in front of the Raw audience. Like, maybe not recorded, but, like, played in front of the Raw audience to get the crowd reaction from that and pipe that in onto the SmackDown broadcast because they're clearly doing the promo in wrestling timeline post raw, but I presumably are recording it the week before at SmackDown. So they don't really go into too much specifics. It's just like, you know, Jimmy saying 
Roman asking, like, who told you to interfere in the match on Raw? Jimmy saying, oh, it was Paul. And then Roman saying, no, I told Paul to tell you I'm I'm the leader, you know? <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling that maybe it might come out that The Rock was the one who told Paul to tell Jimmy to interfere. Or they're at least leaving that option open in the future if they want to use it. Right. Um, but it might just be another... Because other than that, it, the, the promo really didn't serve any purpose. Gotcha. Yeah, especially um, considering well, how well, the whatever. next, like, the how the PLE went and Raw went. Like, there didn't seem to be anything that came from it. it and that even goes, for, like, I don't know if they did any callback to uh, Grayson Waller in this SmackDown episode. But, uh, yeah. If they did, well, didn't they, mean anything, really. They did... They did do some Waller callback, and we'll, we'll get to that. And it was kind of weird because it they showed Waller stuff with the bloodline the week before. Yes, of 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 Waller going into the the bloodline's dressing room, which kind of seems like the precursor to the segment they aired this week. <laughs> so it yeah. was a little bit out of order. Um, but whatever. I mean, it's not it's not too distracting, and I I couldn't really care less. This was really just a a placeholder SmackDown waiting for the Elimination Chamber. And that's what so I then mean. Then Braun finally, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I mean is just like the, there's were a few, there's been a few episodes this last like two or three weeks where it's just like they're Biden time. Like, okay, we got to get through Elimination Chamber so we can set up everything. And yeah, it's just, uh, I, I mean, there's been some bangers in there like that SmackDown like two weeks ago where LA Knight came out. Uh, like it was that post press conference SmackDown. That was incredible. But it just seems like they're they're just kind of floating right right now. But maybe that'll change over the next couple of weeks as ro- the Rock starts to get more ingrained with the week by week storytelling. Yeah, I mean, there's no March PLE. Um, cert- there's not a, a, a WWE. There's an NXT one, but there's no there's no PLE to really build up to other than Mania here. Rock's already been confirmed for a couple SmackDowns in March. Yep. So I'm sure they're going to start building it up a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, placeholder SmackDown here. So Braun finally debuts with a fucking Steiner-ass singlet. <laughs> Looks great. A uh, little weird that he's not bringing out the NXT tag belt to this match. Right, um, yeah. I don't know the current state of NXT, but he is, as of that broadcast, the NXT, one and half of the NXT tag team champs. Yep. Um, I, this was an opportunity for them to rename him Steiner and I really wish they had especially because they're now fully acknowledging that he is the son of Rick Steiner and the nephew of of Professor uh, Scott Steiner professor of math yep in the uh, University of Thugonomics yep <laughs> so I really wish they kind of took this opportunity with the call up to bring him in as Braun Steiner but you know they haven't and maybe Braun Steiner and Braun Strowman sound too close i don't know hey, whatever yeah. they made their choice it's over uh just a couple things like uh, they, they come out and we, we see dante chen who's got no music just j- he's already in the ring full he's on dead. jobbing full job you see it coming a mile away so you know steiner just a couple notes from the match when you see steiner hit those ropes man he hits those ropes he and hits he hits you, that's what i mean He's very, very fast and very quick for his size. And if, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, and the listeners haven't seen it, I encourage you looking up him hitting the ropes so hard that he, like, 
moves through the top rope like he breaks the laws of physics moves through the top rope and the top rope slams him in his forehead have you seen that clip <laughs> no i haven't i'm gonna look that up right now oh it's it, it it's amazing it's great he just hits the rings i think he hits the ropes after someone else has used them or hit them so the the ropes are not perfectly even right. so they're jiggling a little bit so when he hits it he goes down to hit it and he just like it the top rope just folds over the top of his head and then smashes him in the forehead when his whole body ricochets off the second rope whoa forward. yep um, I, <laughs> I just saw yeah. it yeah it's with uh uh with uh Carmelo and yeah it it doesn't look like somebody bounced off it I think he was just going so goddamn fast that his and I think he's also just like a smidge like too short and I at the, the, number three the other third point is that I don't think he got his arm high enough over that rope because I know that if you don't put your arm over the rope you might as well just be running through those ropes I've heard like uh uh What's his name? Uh, the guy that was that was just wiped from memory for P. I have no idea who you're talking about. Who cares? I was, anyway, I'm not allowed to say his name. Uh, who cares? It doesn't <laughs> matter anymore. He's canceled. He's over. He's over. He, he he. I heard a story where he ran through like he was going like mock fuck all, and he flew through the ropes because he didn't put his arm above uh put didn't put his arm high enough to stop him from going but that looks like a dangerous oh, yeah, spot right it, there that could have broke that could have break your neck if you weren't being careful so i mean i love watching yeah, braun breaker go fast that could you can go sonic speed but uh that could that could kill you if you're not careful <laughs> check out braun breaker in sonic the hedgehog 4 coming yeah. your way Yep. Playing Dr. Robotnik's son or something. I don't oh, know. Who gives a shit? That sounds great. Hollywood is all about IP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, quick squash match. Then we get into uh, uh, JD and Dom versus the New Catch Republic. Uh, it was, uh, you know, you, you kind of saw where this one was going. We're heading into EC. It's the, you know, second rate tag team of the Judgment Day. Should yeah. be a quick, clean win for New Catch Republic to kind of get them over before you see where I expected them to lose. But uh, NCR pretty much dominated the entire match, showcased a lot of their unique move set, which was nice. Yeah. You know, one day, Dom is actually going to hit the three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> I Like, it, 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 that's the same thing I was talking about with uh, Cody and the... Um, Cody and the finishing moves. Like, some of them are just... Second tier finishing moves that are always going to get a kick out. Or as I'm going to touch on later in the episode, Sami Zayn and the Blue Thunderbomb. One day, <laughs> these moves are going to get over and get a win. Yeah. But until that day, Dom is destined to just do the two amigos every time he tries it. I would love to see a Dom match where he, like, unequivocally, not dominates, but, like, a clean win. Like, clearly he controlled the match and won that'd be sweet to see because i love dom i love dom as a heel but i would like to see him win like a couple just to get him like just like a touch over in terms of like i don't know competition factor because every time i see dom come on screen i just know that he's gonna get his ass beat and i like dom i think, I think dom is coming. a great wrestler i think he's like it i think he's super solid so i think a couple of wins should should really help when he first showed up you know he was very green if you look at some of the ages of these people, right? Dom is one of the youngest people on the main roster. 
I think he's um, like a and, you know, he did get that me. leg up. Yeah, like he's super young and he you know got the fast track because of his pop and the storyline that they could tell with that. Um and he's done a very good job though of of staying on his game, continuing to to work and get better at his craft. They protect him very well. Um, but, you know, those will come, though. Those clean wins will come for Dom, for sure. Probably not until he's a face, which is going to be a very difficult thing to That's do. Gonna I assume so it's going to have something do. to do with betraying Judgment Day at some point. Well, you got to you got to break him up. with Mommy. Yeah, I mean, Mommy's starting to turn face. I can't even, I can't believe I just said that. Mommy's turning face. Rhea's turning, like, she's. She's hinting to turning face. I've said it a million times over this podcast. I would love to see a priest versus Rhea, like breakup of the judgment day, like a, 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 a vie for power and a legit match between those two. Is that wrong to say? I, I think they could work great together if they, if, if, if they could make it work. They'll never do it. God They'll damn never it. do it. God damn it. It's just, they just don't do the men versus women anything anymore. And if they did do it, I think it would be more like, Rhea versus, it would have to be like believable. It would have to be like Rhea versus Dom or Rhea versus JD. I think, oh, meow, meow, meow. I think that's the only way you can really do it is it's got to be believable. Like, like Priest is a giant man. <laughs> There's like, and you know, it was as tough as Rhea is and she would kick my ass. Certainly. I just don't think it's believable enough for those two to go at it. And I'm still I'm still sitting on my my grand my grand theory about the uh, money in the bank briefcase that when JD gifted Senor the the Senor money in the bank case the purple one that that he took the contract and that in that in that case there is no contract for a championship match and it's gonna come and that's gonna be the end of Judgment Day is he's gonna go to cash it in at some point and it's not gonna be in there and they're yeah. gonna trace it back to being JD's fault. Yeah, I think if he's going to catch it, cash it in, it'll probably most likely be with Drew holding the World Heavyweight title. I think that makes the most sense. Just, the problem is, like, as much as I love Priest, there's just no, no, nothing really makes sense for him to take right now in the world, you know? Nope. In the world, the world uh, championship picture. It just doesn't make any sense. So I'm not really sure what they're going to do with it. But we'll see where it goes. So yeah, it was, it was a solid match. It was very safe. It was a high-flying kind of... Uh, quick speed match with New Catch Republic and and JD and Dom all kind of being those kind of wrestlers, but they were still really safe with it. A uh, bit of a tough finisher, uh, a little bit of a rough finish to the match, but all yeah. things can be forgiven here. And then we go into a quick uh, funny promo with KO <laughs> and Waller and Paul and Theory. I love this. Uh, uh, I did <laughs> see this. I saw this uh, like online after uh, maybe on Saturday morning, and uh, yeah, the 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 chemistry between. Paul and KO, I'm I'm just loving. I I I'd love to see them. I love I I'll, I'll watch more of those two for a long time coming. Yeah, and I like it. It seemed to be that they were working up to a rematch for Mania for the U.S. Championship belt. But as things move on this week, it, it starts to feel like maybe that's not going to be the case. Maybe. But yeah, it was a good, quick, funny promo. The line with KO, like, "What happened to your shirt?" Theory was wearing like a smoking jacket. <laughs> Just with no shirt on, I thought that was that was fun and you know e- an, an easy shot, but 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 well executed. Yeah. And then we get our favorite storyline. We've been waiting for updates. Uh, you know, it's the reason we turn into SmackDown every week. Yeah. Street, street profits. profits are coming out, <laughs> <laughs> and they're gonna fight AOP. 
Uh, it was nice to see the Street Profits come out and actually embrace the crowd a little bit more, embrace the face, you know. They're not going to make it as a... Um, they're not going to make it as heels, and everyone's kind of cool with that now in the writer's room, it seems like. So they came out and kind of did a hybrid of their old entrance, where they didn't have the exact same entrance with the red solo cups, but they kind of did similar movements, and they were dapping the crowd up. Uh, AOP comes out and they got that like GTA 4 lost in the damned filter. That gritty <laughs> black and white. Wow. You know, that, 30 frames. Or that's taking me back. To 20 frames per second. Eighth grade. <laughs> like, it just wow. looks like it's been shit on and, and run through it. Um, I, I'm walking into this match. I'm thinking AOP needs a clean win here, uh, preferably over Dawkins so that you don't have to, uh, you don't have to stomp mellow at all. Um, and I, and I was hoping, yeah, I was hoping for a clean AOP win here and a long slobber knock match uh, with lots of physical, you know, uh, a lot of spots that AOP can thrive in. And as you're watching the match, uh, did you watch this match? No, I did not. Okay, so it's very clear in a longer match here for AOP that AOP works very well together and you can tell that they've been teaming for a long time. You know, they, they, they teamed in WWE, I believe in NXT, and then they both were released at the same time and teamed through the indies. Uh, they have a very unique style, something that's not really in WWE right now, to have two big bruiser uh, men as a tag team, but they can still move and they don't look lethargic. They don't look like they're going to have a heart attack or need a chair to sit down in. They work very well tagging in and out, saving their rest spots, um, recouping being a very believable bruiser team with their giant cargo pockets. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a really controversial opinion about Final Testament that I feel like I need to share on this podcast. Uh-oh. And I hope that you might might back me up here. Okay. Because I don't think a lot of people feel this way. Oh, no. Let's see. Scarlet? She's pretty attractive. <sighs> yeah, I can back you up on that one. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You're good. Yeah, She's... I got you. She's kind of hot. She's kind of hot. Just a bit. Just, just, just a touch. Bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Controversial yeah. opinion. I know, guys. Reach out to us on the email if you disagree. <laughs> um, Ellering really needs to be coaching more from the sidelines. He needs to be more present so we understand why he's here. You know, he did a little thing where he was trying to hype up AOP, but he's like an 80-year-old man, and him doing hype doesn't really sell well. Like, we need more, like, brooding and measured and quiet power from the old guy instead of him like trying to hype them up with actual like arm movements and looking like he's going to fall apart like a Mr. Potato Head doll. <laughs> or you could give him uh, maybe uh, Paul Bearer's urn. Maybe that could work. Sure, why the fuck not? Final Testament spooky. Yeah. Get him, get some storyline where he f- he's in the back and, you know, he gets confronted by by the street prophets and they they push him around a bit and he falls into like a suitcase and out and it's marked wwe props and like doink doink's face falls out of there and <laughs> and so triple h's sledgehammer and and uh, john cena like uniquely branded one-up mushroom fucking wristband and then the, the then the urn's there boom and then he grabs it and then they, they throw some Pulp Fiction lighting in that sucker. Oh, and then there it's you go. Like, and then he takes over. I love it. I, I think, we're, I think guys, I know they're listening. Guys, I know you're listening. Writing team. 
bring it back. Let's see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so everything falls apart in this match, which I kind of saw coming. Everyone's fighting everyone. Uh, interesting move to see Cross come in and really take out Bobby. Uh, you know, like I've said before, you need to distract Bobby from the main event scene. He's so big and so over and such a force that there needs to be a believable reason that he's not going after the belt or yeah. that he's not winning EC. So to have Cross come in and take out his elbow, really set that up nicely and help get crossover as a bigger threat a little bit more. So good choices there. Um, but, uh, you know, not a fully clean win for AOP at the end of the day. Uh, but not also, also not especially dirty, you know, like kind of shit hit the fan again. You didn't watch it, but shit hit the fan, but there was no direct interference leading to their win. It was more of interference was going on all around everyone and they got the win. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was actually a pretty, a, a pretty great match for a storyline that I've otherwise been not interested in. I thought it was well executed and I thought there was a, it was a it was smart booking to, Give them the win, but not have it be interference directly. Kind of move this storyline down the road here and give AOP a little bit of legitimacy. Yeah, a little bit of legitimacy. And like you said, give uh, Street Profits that face turn that they've desperately needed for so long because they just were not working as heels. Yeah, just acknowledging, I mean, not even just a face turn, just acknowledging that the heel shit wasn't working and that, you know, letting everyone in on the, the, the secret or letting everyone in on the fact that, hey, we're acknowledging these people are faces moving forward with Bobby. Right. And then we uh, we turned to... Uh, so are you out at this point? You haven't seen anything left? I I've, I have not Smackdown. seen any of this. I haven't seen uh, Dakota Kai. I haven't seen LA Knight. I, 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 okay, I, okay. Re- reminder, I am in Canmore hating life. At the, at hating the life. Just despising existence. <laughs> so yeah, Dakota Kai is going through physio in the backstage. Um... So apparently she was jumped like off of camera by the rest of damage control, or I guess damage control now. There's only it's just the the Japanese team is damage control at this point. Yeah. Um so I don't remember her being jumped at any point. Do you like last week or anything? I, I don't remember that happening. Uh Bailey being jumped or Dakota? No, Dakota. I do remember Dakota being jumped because uh Bailey went into the back room. Uh, like where, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. They, 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 she was jumped. She and was that jumped. was the last week. Yeah. I think it was the week beforehand. Uh, I can't remember the exact like circumstances of her being jumped backstage, but like it was one of those yeah, okay. moments where Bailey and Dakota just solidified their alliance a little bit more. Right. So, okay. Yeah. So I might be, I must've forgot that at that point, but again, another, symptom of recording two episodes on the on the same night there's a little bit of crossover that doesn't make the most sense but uh, yeah so bailey comes in to make amends with dakota she's on the physio table dakota's you know talking about how she's got bailey's back i got jumped this sucks but i got your back boo like bailey's gonna get absolutely fucked by her at some point right that's what's <laughs> happening here yep that's definitely happening <laughs> that, that, that's what they're setting up okay cool we're in agreement so let's move on to la night and dm hunk um Can't. so my first initial notes for this was Will and I might die watching this match. Two of our favorite wrestlers uh who who tread the line between good and evil, between face and heel, going up against each other. And you missed it, but you didn't miss too much, I would say, at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I was excited for this match because, like you said, yeah, it's LA Knight and, and DM Hunk himself. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I wish I caught it. I was trying to, I, I caught like the first hour of of the of the episode, but then I had to do something else. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, before uh, Drew comes out, you see Lashley getting fixed up, and Drew says that he's gonna pray for him, which is just a great line. They just left it at that. He's like, <laughs> "I'll pray for you," and then goes out. Um, Logan heads out to do commentary, and so I'm thinking, "Oh fuck, this is gonna be even better than I could imagine." Now you got Logan out here doing commentary oh, and, and night and hunk in the ring. Uh. Logan sucks chants start happening. He's eating it up. He's yelling at the crowd, telling them to shut up. Uh, it was a very solid professional match between Drew and LA Knight. Um, each person getting their spots in. No one really working from the bottom. From the bottom. Uh, KO comes out. He pulls up a seat to commentary. So now I see where this is going. We now have four of the six people of Elimination Chamber here. This is just going to devolve into a giant fucking brawl before you see. Yeah. So I'm getting kind of sad because I'm really enjoying what's happening in the ring with Knight and uh, and and uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to say DM Hunk. I should just say Drew. I... So Knight, Knight and Drew are putting on a good show, but you could tell where it's headed. <laughs> just like some unique offense by Drew at the edge of the ring. Um, and then like you start to get distracted by the commentary because now you've got you've got Logan. Barrett, Graves, and KO all on commentary, and KO and Logan are both just like, you know, they're already like freewheeling improvisers, so they're just going off on each other, and it's you can't tell at all what's happening on the mic, <laughs> and you know, Knight and, and and Drew are trying to put up a put on a great show, so the mixing is a little bit off, and you're kind of distracted by everything, and you see where it's going, so I'm losing interest a bit. I'm looking away. I'm looking at my phone. Uh, yeah, I I guess it's a bit hypocritical of me to complain about the sound mixing <laughs> on on SmackDown when our show is so expertly sound mixed every week. <laughs> hey, they they have way more resources to deliver good sound. All right, we have two microphones and like two computers that kind of work. Maybe that's true. It's true. So yeah, the uh, the commentary was good. I. Logan called KO the Squidward of the locker room. Great stuff. <laughs> KO was like, what are you talking about? What the fuck? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a child. Uh, everything devolves. Everyone's brawling. Um, I'm starting to think my my call of uh, of KO and Paul starting the EC and, and Drew and LA finishing it is going to come to fruition, judging by what I'm seeing right now. Then Lashley comes out of the back out of nowhere, starts beating the fuck out of people. And then Randy comes in, he starts RKO and everyone. Uh, and then I think we heard like four music. St- like I think it was the, the, the show ended, the, the match ended, and they hit LA Knight's music or Drew's. I can't remember. Right. Then Lashley comes out, he beats up people. Then Lashley's music hits. Then Randy comes out. Then Randy RKO's Lashley. Then Randy's music hits. And it's just like the whole last 25 minutes of this episode is just a complete just disaster. Bonkers. Where, like when it started with Knight and, and Drew just putting on a show. And now it's just fucking chaos. So that's enough out of SmackDown for this week. Do you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we moved on to the Elimination Chamber? No, let's keep it going to Elimination. Okay, so let me paint the picture for you guys. It is... Probably about midnight when I finished SmackDown. 
Uh, I watch it on a slight delay because I'm running around trying to get everything ready for my party, which is going to be Saturday night, so the next night. Everything's pretty much done, and I have a choice to make. It's midnight. I had kind of tepid yeses from from Will because he was coming back from a show out of town. Uh, from Steve, who we both do a podcast with, two separate podcasts with. He's working until 2.30. My fiancé is working until 3. So I'm like, do I stay up and watch Elimination Chamber live? And I had bought a couple Red Bulls uh, at work that day in case I decided to make that choice. And it's midnight and I'm not very tired, so I say, fuck it. I crack that Red Bull. We're doing it, baby. We're staying up. <laughs> it's elimination chamber time. We're going yeah. live. It really makes no sense for me to do this. Well, you he, have he, hope the, at that point. You have hope. And at that time that you're talking about, like midnight, yeah, I probably might. No, at midnight, no, I'm I am all out of hope. I think by 10 o'clock, I'm all out of hope. But I'm like, maybe I'll go to the elimination chamber at your place because just to bring my spirits up. But as the night progresses, look, okay. Now that we're this deep into the episode, the possibility of somebody that's from that show listening to this podcast all the way to this point is very, very. <laughs> You're slim. ready to reveal. All right, this show. This is going to be our first YouTube clip. <laughs> I'm going to cut this part out. Yeah, <laughs> post it on YouTube and tag your band. <laughs> so, but but please enlighten our listeners. Look, what you know? What wrestling has taught me? What wrestling has taught me in the past six months of watching it? The, the the value of ha- having the ability to book properly, all right? Book people that work well together. Book people that have heat, all right? Book people that might can that can drum up some sort of buzz or business in in the room. Not booking fucking your friends who are also in bands. Kinda maybe they play instruments in a room together, like. There was, there, 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 oh God, there was one band, I'm not going to name them, but there was one band that played right before we played, clearly as a favor to, uh, because the guy was doing sound for the show, which by the way, sucked. This guy, this guy's band, this band fucking cleared out the room. They were just not booked well. They had, the, 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 the right gear wasn't in place. Look, ah, Fuck, it's just, just, if you're going to be a booker, know the fuck you're doing, or else I'm going to be really, really sad, Then you just end up with- Yeah, Tony. Ugh. Oh, wait, I'm not talking about your Tony, I'm talking about Tony Khan. Yeah, yeah, Tony. <laughs> uh, I just I said that, I went, oh, wait, no, not that Tony, other Tony. Yeah, yeah, anyway, I, I digress. I'm not going to, I can't talk about it anymore, because the context that the listeners will need for me to properly explain everything that has happened- it's just too Kill much. Kill our list, our our already minuscule listenership as it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's dive into uh, the elimination chamber. The elimination chamber more or less just kicks off with the women's uh, EC. It just kind of gets going. I don't remember any uh, promos at the beginning. Anybody talking out in the middle of the match or uh, middle of the ring? Just there, there was anybody? there was a pre-show match for the tag team championship. Um, it was uh, I think Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae versus. Uh, Right, Who are the women's tags right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Uh, oh, right. Uh, Kabuki Warriors. That's that was the initial one. Nothing, nothing special. Nothing pretty straightforward. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about that. But it was for Indy Hartwell because she's from Australia. 
So they wanted to give her due diligence, uh, but she's not like too too high up in the rankings right now in terms of, is she on one of the main rosters for raw or SmackDown or is she still like in the NXT realm? I, I don't think she's official. She's like not free agent status that they like to use. Right. Yeah. Still working for WWE, but floats around to wherever they need her to be. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, then there was that pre-match. I didn't watch it. Uh, congratulations to Kabuki warriors for retaining. I, I'm pretty sure I don't, I didn't know. I don't know. I didn't watch the match. Okay, so we start off with the Women's Elimination Chamber. Uh, I was pretty excited for this one. I thought it was a pretty good crew going into it, and pretty much thought it was a foregone conclusion that Becky was going to win moving into it. Yep. And, I mean, this entire pay-per-view is kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, the entire pay-per-view was like that. Uh, so we knew kind of right from the beginning that Becky was going in. So the real, the, question, the real question here now is how well is the performance going to be? It's Elimination Chamber. It's not one of the main PLEs, but it is a fun one when when shit goes down. Uh, I've, there's been some great matches in the past with PLEs. Actually, one of my favorite matches of all time is a uh, Elimination Chamber with, uh, I think it's Undertaker. I can't remember everybody that's in there, but Edge and uh, Rey Mysterio are in there. And one of my favorite spots ever is like Edge, he tricks his, he like attacks the person that's supposed to be in the elimination chamber as he's like coming into the ring and it takes a spot. And then when uh, the match is going on, oh, right. yeah, I know yeah that everybody's pissed at edge because he's just taking his spot. And then his door opens and Ray Mysterio stereo just comes flying in with the, with the flying elbow. And you just hear, you just hear faintly in the background from the microphones, edge just going, ah! it's funniest goddamn thing <laughs> to me ever. Just edge going, ah! and Ray Mysterio just fucking him up. But uh, so, the re- yeah, like I said, the question here is the performance. So right at the beginning here, we have Becky and Naomi starting off. And I thought this was very weak. And I, I've seen Becky wrestle quite well. But Naomi, to me, seemed like she's still a little, not green, but maybe not as warmed up as she should be for a match of this caliber. So there was a lot of like weird spots in this. There was one particular spot with her and Becky uh, where they were like holding onto each other's foot and they're like talking to each other. Like, I'm going to put my foot down. If you put your foot down, that sort of thing. And I was like, what is going on here? But luckily Tiffany Stratton is number three into the elimination chamber. And once she enters the ring, the show starts. She puts on, she, I th- honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Tiffany Stratton, performance of the night. Yeah, she really showed up for this one. Like, I didn't anticipate her really seizing the moment like this, but she really came and, and showed out. It, the, the whole match itself was good. I think it was a very good EC match. I think that the balance was there. The only thing... There wasn't a lot of rough spots except for the waiting. There was a lot of points in the match where you could tell people were waiting for other people to get in a position, and it really took me out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there was... I think there were a couple of rough spots with uh, the people who have just returned after a long time, and I'm uh, specifically talking about Naomi and uh, Liv. 
I think there was right. I, I have it in my notes here that like Liv and Naomi had a couple really rough spots. Uh, but Raquel Rodriguez, she came in there. Uh, she she acted as the giant that she needed to. But yeah, like I said, Tiffany Stratton was the one that had the had the star power from this match. Like she was as soon as she entered, I think she started off with just a like just a bruiser of a clothesline to I think Naomi just going like, all right, we're wrestling guys. It's elimination chamber. We're in Australia. It's hot as fuck. There's a million people, but I mean, not a million people, but we have this huge giant stadium. And I do want to talk about the stadium a a little bit uh, here, but like I said earlier, Tiffany Stratton, she, she hits, you know, she wants to get hit. She hits. And there was a couple of great spots. Like the one that I'm thinking of uh, particularly is the Swanton bomb off the pod, which is great. And I've seen her do that before on an NXT PLE where she did a Swanton bomb off. A, I think it was like their version of war games. It was like a miniature war games or something like that, where they put people in these pot. doesn't matter, but she did a Swanton off that. And I, she stole the so at that, ple as well so yeah big 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 kudos to tiffany stratton in this particular uh ec match uh but other than that i like i don't remember any other spots that come to mind that i was like oh that's particularly that was interesting like there was one where Liv jumped off the pod as well and like sat on i think it was naomi like while she was like hung up on the ropes there i thought that was cool but not near. I just love a good Swanton bomb. I just love a great Swanton bomb. Get me more of those. I'll watch them all day. It was a solid match all around. It's just there was nothing really that stuck out as like a defining moment. But yeah. it, like I thought it was it was pretty well done. I I was surprised. I mean, you always get this in like you got it in Puerto Rico, you get it in Canada to some extent, you got it in Australia. You these shows where you are in a country where you never go, you get a lot of the smart fans out there who are not going to really stick to the narrative. And I did notice that like Raquel Rodriguez didn't really get very much in the way of crowd support, but everyone was behind Tiffany Stratton. And I think it's because they understand how impressive she is. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised that for someone who's essentially a pure heel character, um, she was getting quite a bit of pop from the crowd yeah. for what she was doing. And I don't know if it was appreciation of what she had done already in that match or just the smart crowd knowing what she's done already and that like, she's going to be a big player moving forward, but uh, they kind of threw a little bit of a wrench into it to some extent, but yeah, I know it was, it was, it was a solid match and I thought it was a good intro into, into the, into the PLE. Yeah. Yeah. It ended kind of quick. I think if there's a really like, rough spot i think of the of the match is like how it ended uh, i don't know i maybe i i don't think it was rough i heard other people thought it was rough but i liked i i did kind of i i was okay with like a very quick ending where becky just kind of got the the pin kind of like almost almost unceremoniously but it was already at a point in that match where i was like okay we're now we're kind of we got to start getting into the end game here and then they just ended it so I, I I appreciate yeah, it was some they, shades of uh some shades of Bailey's win at Royal Rumble like kind of right everything happened very quickly right at the end and then it was over right yeah so I appreciate the fact that they it didn't overstay its welcome as I said this was a uh, this was a this was a showcase for Tiffany Stratton and we're gonna see her obviously do some crazy things in the future 
Yeah, I, I definitely think so. So then uh, we move into the tag team match, uh, New New Catch Republic versus Judgment Day, or more right. specifically, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Yep. Um, NCR had a new United theme going out there, their own uh, their own music specifically for them coming out. Yep. Uh, which was kind of a bit overdue. I liked the little bit of um, our truth thinking that the event was in Austria. Oh Apparently yeah. He posted something on social I media where that. he was in Austria. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, but, but very well done. Oh man. I love that video. Him just like, I went to the stadium. I went to the hotel. Where are all you people at? <laughs> Fantastic stuff. At one point, like before we get into this, this match, which I don't think we'll end up talking about too much. I thought it was fine. Uh, it, they they worked, but it wasn't too crazy in my mind. But before we talk about it, I do want to talk about the stadium in and of itself. Because I uh, thought the yes. stadium size affected the experience a little bit. It's so goddamn big. It's so big. And all- well, it's tough, right? It's a cricket pitch. It's a so- cricket pitch. It's it's difficult with cricket because you need a lot of space. You need a lot of square footage for a cricket pitch that's on the flatland. And you see these, like, as someone who watches quite a bit of cricket, this is, this is the general layout of most of these stadiums. It's just that there's so, there's so much space on the playing field that it's difficult to kind of convert it for an event like this where you're moving into um, a ring that is so much smaller you know if it's like a basketball venue the court is really not that much bigger width wise than a wwe ring plus the outside area so the sight lines are a lot better but you could see when they were doing the aerial shots and especially because they had to have the elimination chamber so they had to have a structure in the middle capable of supporting the elimination chamber so they had these pillars jutting out on all four corners and so it blocked the sight lines so the fans were kind of fanned out into four triangles on the playing field. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you're sitting, they, they showed some shots of, of the stands themselves. And in the second bowl, like in the, the second ring, like it was so far away from the actual action. Yeah. At that point, you're you're spending $150, $200 for a ticket where, where of which you'll be mostly watching a screen. With no commentary. Which is rough. That's rough. And 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 then on you add on top of that that there's this really dark steel cage that covers the most important matches of the night. Yeah, absolutely. Like it can't be fun to watch that. You're already at that distance, and now maybe you have like a giant bar of the elimination chamber blocking your view from the actual action itself. Like it, it can't be an enjoyable experience. I guess like if you're a WWE fan and you're in Perth, they're never going to come back or you, you, you have to imagine it's going to be, it's going to be years. It could be a decade before they're back. Right. So you just, you do it anyways, and then you can watch it back or whatever, but just so you could say you were there. I, I, I'd under, it's understandable. I would do the same thing. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. If, if, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't even come to our hometown very often because our, our building is so old. But I'm sure once we get our new arena built, they're going to come back a lot more because, you know, Calgary is a hotbed of wrestling. Oh, man. And and the crowds are always great. Oh, yeah. We bring it. We bring it. We bring it here. Uh, 
And one last thing before, uh, and you know what? I'm going to save it for the Cody segment. I'm going to save it for the Cody segment because I was lo- also looking out into the crowd. And uh, I, I, we all know, like, no shade to our Australian friends, but you guys have a darker sense of humor <laughs> than I think, uh, <laughs> I think that the general audience is probably used to. And I want to talk about it when we get to the Cody segment. But, yeah, let's – yeah, the – Priest, Balor, New Catch Republic, Matt. I, why, why did I say it like that? New Catch Republic versus Judgment Day. Uh, I thought it was overall fine. There was no, no spots that I have in my notes here that I was like particularly interested. But I was like, two thoughts came to mind. Uh, one thought was at the very end. Like, do you think, I think it's clear now that Balor didn't break his thumb after watching Raw. But it did look like for a second there that he did break his, break his thumb. And he was selling really well because he was holding onto his thumb and it was bleeding at the knuckle. And I was like, oh, God, did he did Pete Dunn just like break his fucking thumb or and the way that he fell on his thumb when he did the coup de gras at the very end? It looked like he could have fell on it weird and broke it that way. But then after watching Raw, he seemed fine because I don't see. Re- right. Yeah. Honestly, I don't remember this at all. <laughs> Fair <laughs> we're getting we're getting into the point of this pay per view where I it's now probably four in the morning. I'm six drinks deep. I got two very close. I, I, my 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 closest friend and my fiance just talking back and forth, having no interest in wrestling. I'm sitting there trying to make notes, and I give up during this match. <laughs> Fair but enough. my last my last note for this entire pay-per-view is Steve hyphen from Steve. Cause at this point he had hijacked my computer and was just typing shit. <laughs> Fantastic. So you're going to have to carry, uh, you're going to have to carry the football here for the rest of the match. All the right. All right. The, all right. Uh, uh, the PLE. Okay. So then the other, the other thought that I had here with the judgment day and NCR match was, do you think that Pete Dunne is Solo Sokoa's kryptonite with all the finger work that he does? I have not thought about this, but I love the pitch <laughs> that this is the way we get rid of Solo is by having a, a joint manipulation master who can truly just fuck the shit out of his thumb. I think that might be that might be a way. But honestly, I'm loving I'm starting to really love Solo more and more and more. Ever since I've read that comment of his thumb talking to him. Because it works. Every time. Every single time we see Solo looking at his thumb. I just imagine the thumb going, yes, you did good. You did good. Put me in the throat. Solo. Yes, Solo. Put me everywhere. Maybe he talks like Jabba. Everywhere. Echuta. There we go. Um, yeah. And then obviously like nobody, nobody surprised by this, uh, judgment day retain their, uh, tag team championship. Uh, nothing too crazy. There was, Oh, the other thing was while during the match, like Dom is out there with them and Dom is getting just destroyed by the crowd. Like anytime Dom does anything, mercilessly booed. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. Like the Australian crowd is just like they get into it, and when they when they want to be mean, they they will, and it'll be awesome. And Dom is the perfect guy to to be mean to. And it got so bad that they actually had to like cut to black on the broadcast. 
I thought it was just a problem with like a technical issue, but they purposely cut to black on the broadcast for like maybe 30 seconds, maybe not that much, but it felt like 30 seconds because the crowd was flipping off Dom in the front row. And we're talking hundreds of people. <laughs> we really like, they really should have just kept it. Just in. kept like, it. Just keep PLE. it in. It's a PLE. It's 3 a.m. Like it just, who? it's a fucking, you can have someone get smashed in the face and accidentally bleeding everywhere, but you yeah. can't show someone flipping the bird. Well, I, they do though. Talk like, about mommies always on top and all of this other shit. And you can't, I thought it was really fucking stupid of them to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that should be... Just do away with that. Just own the 14A. Like, we're not PG anymore. We're trying to get people to bleed on camera. Own the 14A a little bit. Let's just go, right? Uh, but yeah, the Australian crowd was just brutal to Dom. And Dom Dom soaked it up as much as he could. Uh, I felt like there was moments where he just like kind of ducked out. And then eventually he got... Uh, I think this was the, I think it was this match where he was told to fuck off. They disqualified, they kicked him out of the match entirely. Did they give him the boot? I think they did give him the boot. I think they gave him a boot. Somewhat recall this. Yeah. 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 Again, I'm not a reliable narrator. (laughs) Yeah. And I suck at taking notes because it was a busy weekend for me, but they do give him the boot and, uh, I'm loving the Australian crowd more and more and more. And then, I think that's it for this particular match. We can move on to the biggest disappointment of my evening, which was the Cody, Grayson Waller, Cody, Seth Rollins, Grayson Waller, and Austin Theory segment. The Grayson Waller effect. So, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, they've been planning, they've been hinting at this Grayson Waller thing with the bloodline. Like we saw a shot of Grayson Waller outside the dressing room of the bloodline with Paul Heyman. And they're just talking. There's no mics on them. Uh, It's just a quick little segment. And then uh, there was a segment on the Friday night Smackdown the night before from the pre-recorded one where they bring Waller into the bloodlines dressing room. And Roman Reigns says something along the lines to the effect of like, there is something I have to tell you. And then it cuts. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to lead into something. And what proceeds here is probably the most garden variety generic segment that they could possibly cook up with all, like with all this buildup. Like it's so much nothing. It's so much nothing. And it drives me nuts. The only piece of entertainment that I have from this, and this goes back to the Australian crowd again, is that I'm looking out to the crowd and I'm seeing the signs and I'm, I'm wondering like, while I'm watching this, like what's, what's going to be the drop? Like what is going to be said here? And, uh, we talked about this at your party later on that, uh, that Saturday night where what if they brought in the rock, they somehow snuck the rock through customs and security and just kept him under a blanket or something like that. Put him in a giant suitcase. They just, they just secretly transported him all the way to um, the stadium. Because I would love to see the crowd's reaction to the Rock. Because based on the posters that I was seeing out there, which were the Die Rocky Die posters and Rocky Sucks posters, like, like the Die Rocky Die one is a fucking brutal one, especially post. Post like death threats to his daughter uh, for on NXT in the last few few weeks. Like I I I it's it's nerve wracking. 
But if they did bring The Rock, I wonder how the Australian crowd would have taken it. I feel like they would have chewed him out alive. But also in a way that's so like celebratory because how many times are you going to see The Rock in Australia in a WWE ring, right? Probably not going to be very often. But none of that happens. Instead, we get a Grayson Waller effect where Grayson... Waller takes a shoey. Austin Theory pretends he's The Rock for about 15 seconds. And then we get a Cody Cutter. We get a stomp. And then we get a, a crossroads. And that's about it. And with the to the with the uh the the piece of information to take from this is that Cody is challenging The Rock to a match. Anytime, quote, anytime, anywhere. And I think Seth followed that up with like, you're gonna need backup. You're gonna need a team. You're going to need the Avengers. Not to that effect, but you know what I mean. Uh, And that's it. That is everything that we get from this segment. It's nothing. It's nothing. And it drove me nuts. Like, I was like, what are they? Is Bloodline, like, developing their faction a little bit more? Getting the the roster's heels on the same page so that they can go duke it out at Endgame WrestleMania 40? No. They didn't do that. They kind of did, but they're not doing it to the at the speed or the extent that I think they should. And I'm like, guys, you have a writing team. Fucking do shit. Like, you don't need The Rock there, but certainly some members of the bloodline there to mix it up and develop the story a little bit would be awesome. But they didn't do it. They just didn't do it. It was a waste. It was a waste of a segment for me. Yeah, I mean, like, it was a weird segment, and... I, I not only because of the fact that like nothing really happened. I, I thought it was weird for a, a numerous reasons. One, the crowd wants to cheer Waller. You know, yes, he's one of the few Australian guys on here. Bronson Reed didn't end up making the trip. Turns out that he uh, he just had a kid. He had a kid like two days ago. So it turns out I think that's the real reason why they didn't send him over there was because his wife was like about to burst at any point. Um, I think the original plan I read was him fighting Rollins for the championship. But when Rollins got hurt, they knew they would have to put that away. So I feel bad for Bronson, honestly, because he misses out on the home PLE. He misses out on, you know, getting to perform in his home country with WWE. But on the other hand, he gets to have a kid. So uh, congratulations to Bronson Reed. But yeah, the crowd wants to cheer Waller. And they kind of... Have it both ways here, where at the end of the day, you know, it's Cody and Rollins just beating the living hell out of Theory, which the crowd loves, and while they're, like, cowering in a corner, potentially sowing seeds for a breakup for those two, but I feel like they haven't really been around together long enough to justify it, and they kind of touch on no. it on SmackDown, or I mean on Raw, and we'll talk about it when we get to Raw. A little bit, but I think there's actually a little bit, I, I think there's some more legs for Waller and Theory if you add paul to the mix they that could go a little bit further with the with the makeup there yeah for sure for sure yeah it was um it it was weird for him to call out the rock because i don't know where you're gonna fit that match in i'm a little worried that we're headed into like tag team competition here i i mean the rollins and drew shit's already pretty much set that's spoiler alert for ec if you're listening to this drew wins um and they're they've already kind of settled that period they've done reigns uh cody period so 
there's not a lot of room to make that in, but maybe like a night one, night two situation where Cody's fighting the rock on night one and then fighting reigns on night two. Yeah. I don't I, really know where they're going with this call out, but yeah, they've I, got my attention. I don't know. I don't know either. I've, we've talked about this before. I mean, this is all, this is the fun. This is the fun that you can have as, as the fan watching, just going like, what the fuck are they going to do? And I've heard the night one, night two pitch plenty of times from like numerous sources. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this show, but I've definitely mentioned to other, other friends that I, that watches that watch wrestling. My pitch would be that the idea is that, you know, maybe they bamboozle us and say, right. You say right at the beginning that it's going to be a tag team match, right? Seth and Cody versus Roman and rock. Right. But you still have to have Seth and McIntyre for WrestleMania. So what I would do is like maybe in kayfabe now, now I'm not saying I'm right, but this is something that I would like make my heart happy. I say in kayfabe after the drew McIntyre match, or maybe immediately after you have Seth Rollins get Seth Rollins get injured, possibly by the bloodline itself. You know what I mean? Because we we get a little nugget of that during uh, the the Monday Night Raw. Then it becomes a handicap tag team match against with Cody Rhodes versus Rock and Roman. To me, that sounds fucking rad. I would love to see a. Rock versus Roman, Rock and Roman versus Cody handicap match just to take Cody to the to the stratosphere, baby. Put him so over, he's like he's, it's he's tough. climbed it's all tough the mountains. Realistically, booking him to win that though, it is, it is tough. Well, we'll see where we'll see where they go with it. Um, let's 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 just move on for now to to the to the men's EC, which, men's EC, uh, baby. I, I thought it was I thought it was really good. You know, we got we got KO and we got it Logan, rocked. yeah, and we got we got LA Knight, we got Drew, and we got Lashley, and we've got uh, who's our who's our sixth? Who am I missing? Here? Drew Lashley, Paul, Paul KO, KO, LA Knight, and Randy Orton. Randy Orton, thank you. Um, stacked stacked lineup for an elimination chamber. Yeah, like nothing but immediately going into in that it. That's ring. the first thing you think of is like, holy crap, this thing is absolutely, you know, it's got a lot of talent going on in it. Yeah. Uh, just general thoughts for me because I don't have notes. I thought it was well paced. I thought everyone did a good job. It was safe but aggressive. They did a good job of selling the cage. Um, they did a good job of. I, I thought it was unique not having. You know, like I, like I said earlier in this podcast, and I said last week too, I really thought we were headed for like a Logan KO intro, and then, you know, a Drew LA Knight is the last two to help build those storylines, but I think they're kind of pivoting away from Logan KO, and it looks like they're heading to Logan Randy at WrestleMania. Really interesting, really interesting uh, development there, because I love KO and Paul. I love them together. In fact, I... For our listeners, I I think while I was watching this match the next morning, I was pitching Tyler a odd like a odd couple tag team alliance between Paul and Logan where they hate each other, but somehow like 
like say like their rivalry gets to so much like gets to such a heated point where Nick Aldis is like fuck it you guys are going to be in a tag team and you're going to learn how to like work with each other and I would love to see a match where they are forced to work e- with each other but they like hate each other <laughs> at the same time the promos would be amazing or they would be so good. terrible it would be one I or mean, the other yeah it would be one or the other but so far the promos for both of them have been great the 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 entry of Logan Paul as uh, he walks into the elimination chamber and he goes up to KO's cage and KO just starts banging his head on the on the fiber or the, on the plexiglass <laughs> I really wall. Like that. It's good. So thing. funny. <laughs> and he's like, "What's going on?" And I don't know if you saw this online. This I think uh, Logan Paul shared it on his on his Instagram. Is that Logan Paul in the chamber has a mic with him, like one of those small like remote mics that you can connect to a phone he's in there oh, yeah, like a lavalier or whatever i think it's called yeah lavalier. yeah but like a remote lav like a remote lav type of mic right. that you can connect through like just a phone like like insert. a curling mic yeah something like that and he's in there <laughs> and he's talking while the match is going on and uh there's and he's constantly just it's so good so he actually he goes in there with like a sharpie so he's like drawing on the <laughs> <laughs> he's drawing on the plexiglass like he draw he drew devil horns on there and he's like yeah because i'm the demon and then he wrote kevin sucks and they drew like a roly poly oly stick man figure like this crude drawing and he just points to it and he's like that's uh that's 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 to scale as well and he's like and kevin owens is like laying down in front of the logan's paul or logan's pod he's like that's him right there look that guy sucks and then smash cut to smash cut to KO being in Logan's pod, smashing the shit out of him. Just going, ah! <laughs> I gotta watch this. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, it was, so it was a fun. It was a fun match. What was the What was the big spot out of this one? What was uh, I'm, t- I'm trying to remember? What the big did uh, Paul go off the top of the chamber? Well, Paul going off the chamber was was great. I I, I was surprised of how long he stayed on the ground. I thought he was going to have a few more high flying spots and he didn't. Um, I think the big spot, I, the big spot for me where I went, holy shit, that looked like that hurt was when Co, uh, KO uh, speared Paul through uh, Oof, one of the pods. Yeah. And forgot that, about, like, I forgot like, about all of this, honestly. Again, that just put it in like perspective, it's five in the morning at this point. I've been up for 20 hours, <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking more and more. <laughs> It's yeah, <laughs> but I do remember that spot. That spear looked that spear looked gnarly as fuck. That spear was gnarly. So I I really do appreciate Paul and the bumps he takes uh when he's up against KO. Now I don't know if KO is just beating the shit out of him because I don't know if they actually don't like each other. But Paul is taking bumps like he is taking legitimate like the shit that he's doing hurts. That's not fun. And I gotta appreciate. I I just gotta appreciate that. Um, another note that I have here is that on the counter. So this is this match in particular is the Slim Jim match, quote unquote. So the counter that they have for the the oh, yeah. chamber, <laughs> the ones are Slim Jims, but they fuck up like a couple of times in terms of the several counting. times, like several like, yeah, a like, couple like of times, four times, and I think like it had to do. Times. I think it had to do with the fact that they were using a Slim Jim counter and the Slim Jims were making people confused. I certainly had no fucking clue what was going on in the first one, I remember. And then the second one, it seemed to be a little... But it didn't seem to just be a misreading of the numbers. It seemed to be that legitimately the first time, like, started at five or something. 
they like started on a different number on the television than they did in the stadium. So the stadium was chanting something else than what the thing said. Yeah. But yeah. then the chambers opened based on the TV numbers, not the crowd numbers. Uh, a little bit of a, 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 yeah, it was rough. It was uh, probably the darkest part of this match, honestly. The worst yeah. part of it. Yeah. Um, and now the the other piece of the puzzle that's worth mentioning here, uh, there's two more pieces here. Uh, the AJ style spot where he came in and just beat the shit out of LA Knight with that chair. Beat the shit out of him. Oh. Yeah. And I have a big problem with this. Not the AJ stuff. Just. It's the about realism. the realism. It's the realism and the, yeah, the rules and the construction of said rules. And it bothers me with Royal Rumble. I don't remember if I talked. I meant to talk about it on a Royal Rumble episode, but it was our first episode, so I don't think I got around to it. It's. I just I just need you to pick rules and stick with them. That's the big thing. I need you to decide what's going to be fair and what's not. If this was a legitimately, if this was a legitimate physical endeavor with no no predetermined winners, I I don't like the interference because it's so obvious everyone sees it, and so the referee is just supposed to ignore the fact that AJ ran in there with a chair and beat the living hell out of them. I don't know what yeah. the answer would be at that point, like how you would rectify that or resolve that in storyline. But, like, at least have someone going in there to try to break it up. Like, we have other instances where we're breaking up fights all the time. Yeah. But we're not breaking it up on this when it's, like, such a premier event and AJ's in there beating it. Just It just bothers me because it makes little sense. I, I understand the booking decision. I understand right. wanting Drew to win but not wanting L.A. to be, be beat clean because he's still so over and kind of giving him an excuse leading up into Mania. And, you know, we, we've talked about how they've been building AJ and and um, and L.A. Knight, and they've kind of taken a step back from it. Up Like, since the Elimination Chamber qualifying match, you know, I was very shocked that AJ didn't go in and ruin L.A.'s chances of qualifying on Raw. And then they left it until EC. So this all tracks and everything. It's just annoying to me. But it's fine. And then we get the Randy yeah. thing, you know, where Logan... Logan pulls out was the Was Logan knuckles. eliminated at that point? Yeah, Logan was eliminated at... He had the knuckles. And then Randy RKO'd him, pinned him, eliminated him, and then got up and then... After like a quick spot somewhere around there, uh, Logan sucker punches him with the knuckles, knocking him out. And then Drew just I, either Logan pulls Drew on top of Randy. I don't think that happened. I think Drew just crawled onto Randy for the win. So it wasn't necessarily it wasn't a clean win. Right. So here's my question. Do we I guess number one. Do we see Logan versus Randy at WrestleMania? I think that's a pretty solid yes. I'm down with that. Two, do we see Randy win the U.S. Championship? I don't think... It brings some prestige to the belt. It doesn't do much for Logan, but I feel like Logan's on borrowed time at at, at all times anyways. He could just leave at any point. So did he sign up for this as a six-month run? You know, I'll be U.S. champion into WrestleMania, and then I'll go away for a bit. Possibly. I'm not really sure what we're working with here. I don't hate, 
Like, I, I hate the idea of Randy winning the U.S. championship over Logan less than I hated Jay beating Gunther. So that's something. Right. It feels a little bit more right. It brings yeah, some prestige I mean, back to the U.S. championship, which has kind of been floundering. But, like, who beats Randy then, you know? Yeah, well, and, and that's the other thing is, like, yeah, the prestige of the U.S. championship is, is flat, was floundering, but I think it's been brought up a little bit more with the performance of Logan Paul over the past few months here. So, yeah. I don't think it's necessary for Randy to win the belt for it to make to, for it to like elevate the belt. To be honest, I would I I'd see Logan carrying the belt after Mania as well. But against Randy is such a weird booking choice. I can see you like can't beat Randy clean. You can't beat Randy clean. What you could not, do not, maybe not Logan. What you could do, maybe, is a triple threat match with KO, Randy, and uh, Logan. Oh, yeah, you know, that works. Because KO was kind of stirring shit with Randy up at EC as well, kind of setting some some, some groundwork for the future for a triple threat. And that actually might work, because then you get Logan going over, maybe not in a dirty win, but in a clean win, where KO and Randy have taken each other out. And then Logan goes in and gets the scraps. He vultures the win. That sounds that's fine. That sounds fine with me. It fits with the Logan character. Uh, Ko is one of those guys that like he's malleable in terms of rivalries. Like he's not necessarily a full face. He's not necessarily a full heel. He's got his own priorities, but he has loyalties. He can turn at any time. He can turn at any time. You know, like. It, I think that works. I think that could that could be something into the future, but it just, we'll we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see how it rolls out. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about with the Ben's EC, or do you want to move? I don't really want to talk much about the main event here. Do you have anything you <laughs> want to talk about with EC? Um, no. I think that's everything with the uh, with with the men's chamber magic. We've covered everything. Um, I personally, I like, I, I like developing the story with Randy or not Randy developing the story with AJ and LA Knight a little bit more. You're right though. I'm with you. At first I was like super happy with it, but once you broke down, like the fact that they bring in weapons and there's no disqualification inside the elimination chamber makes no sense because they're in the chamber. They shouldn't have access to weapons unless they actually go in with weapons, like a bat, a chair, a sledgehammer. Yeah. A, a, yeah, a, a like why? Stick. Why have a DQ? Why is it no DQ in the EC when? Yeah, it just like, it, it does. doesn't have to just be no DQ or DQ. Can we have a middle ground where it's like there's no DQ in the environment, but if you bring something from the outside of the environment, it's a DQ. Yeah, and how do yeah, you yeah. how do you quantify a DQ when there's three people left? Who gets the win if someone comes in and fucks up LA Knight? Like I understand. The, the hurdles here but like that's what booking is all about is making those hard decisions and setting expectations for fans so that something doesn't feel as unsatisfying as that yeah exactly so i think that it wraps up everything i i i can talk about with the ec match here uh overall very happy with it um i think the odd man out was probably bobby lashley although he put on a performance he had some great spears with everybody i think he put 
KO through a pod as well. It didn't look as brutal as uh, Logan Paul. I could be wrong there. Maybe something else happened. But uh, I saw a few. No, they did a good job of neutralizing Bobby before he even stepped in the cage. Like I said, you got to distract Bobby. You can't. There has to be a reason he's not going for the title. And if it's a blood feud with Karrion Cross, that's fine with me. There's just you have to delay him because he is inevitable. And especially with Lesnar gone. It's basically he's the only guy that really fits that mold. A lot of the big boys over the last few years have been removed from WWE. And especially like big athletic guys, it's basically just Bobby now with, you know, Lesnar chasing pea showers in Saskatchewan. <laughs> you you really like, you know, you have to distract him from that main event position. Uh, position and I think the elbow work that they did on SmackDown was really smart writing and for for a storyline I really don't have any attention with or patience for uh, bravo to them for for getting me over on that aspect of it so let's yeah. move into the women's um, championship match as the main event I, again I don't have much to say here I thought Nia did a better job than normal I'll give her that but at the end of the day you know, it's a main event in front of all these people, and she it's, is nowhere near Rhea Ripley's level. No, no. And on top of that, you have Rhea with the crowd behind her in her hometown. Like, we all know what's going down here. There's no friggin' way that Rhea's losing the belt in Perth. Not happening. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like... I, I didn't actually take any notes during this match uh, either. Not because I didn't like it. It was just, it's be, I think what what it was is because I, I knew the outcome. It's like it, this one, out of all the matches, and we all knew the outcome of all the matches here. This match was this like the most. This one especially felt inevitable. Inevitable, yeah. So I felt a little disconnected with the overall work inside the ring. Uh, I agree. Like Rhea Ripley's like, she's, she's a superstar. Like she's, she's a legend already. Um, I think for me, like the end, the only thing that I thought was worth mentioning, like, is just kind of how much of a face they let her be in this episode or in this not episode, but in this match where she had moments with her family that they showed, like they, they had her like interact with the crowd a lot more. Um, and I, I can buy Rhea in this gimmick as a face. I don't know how they're going to do it to like bring it over to full face, but how they've been working it with Naya makes sense to me. And it's going to feel weird when we have, when you switch back to Rhea being the heel for Becky, because Becky's not a, not a heel. It's, it's interesting because Rhea's, Rhea's been over as a face for a long time and for the majority of the even dating back to the edge just judgment day i don't know right. i don't know if you know this but that's where i don't started. know, know edge yeah. formed formed judgment day right it's it's she's consistently been over to a large degree despite her position within a most hated heel faction it will be interesting at Mania to see her versus Becky. I think maybe it's going to be an uh, uh, a Rock Hogan type thing where they kind of go in there with some ideas and then play off the crowd and see what Philly has to say about it and then work the match with the idea of the crowd dictating how it's going to go. Um, okay. Because it really, there is no clean, like, yes, on its face, it looks pretty simple. You know, you got the 
Becky who's the true face and and Rhea's the heel, but you know, Rhea if Judgment Day doesn't go out with the, with her, especially Dom, then she's getting nothing but cheers. And a smart crowd, especially at Mania, is gonna be firmly behind Rhea, in my opinion. But it's going yeah. to be a mix. It's going to be probably a 60-40 situation. And I don't see Becky winning that belt. I think you kind of have a good excuse here to... You can go either way with it. You can have Becky turn heel and do something really fucked. And really push Rhea over on face. You may have the Judgment Day crumbled already at that point from actions that have happened on night one. I'm assuming it's probably going to be the second main event on night two, if I had to guess. Right. It's probably Bailey and EO are going to be night one. That tracks, yeah. Well, it's hard to say, though, because they, sometimes they, there's been years where they've balanced it, and there's been years where they've they've uh, front uh, end-loaded it and had all the, the big ones on night two. Anyways, um, I could also see... Rhea doing something horrendous and them making an attempt to put Rhea over as a true heel and trying to really push her into that stratosphere and beating the living hell out of Becky. And if Seth also loses, maybe giving Seth and Becky some time off together, which would be, I mean, they've earned it. So there is a path there for them to... For, for Becky to get incredibly injured and for Seth to go the distance with Drew and lose and then have some time off to, to recoup his injuries and then yeah. maybe giving them some time off together. But we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. Um, it Yeah, this match was, was, was rote. We knew what was happening. Again, I thought Nia did an okay job for her. I'll give her some props. I don't do it a lot here. I don't like yes. her. I want Especially her to go not for away. Nia. <laughs> but I, I think she did have a fairly decent match and she played the heel well and she worked the crowd she stuck to her limits um she sold really well for Rhea where she could I I will give her credit but the match itself was uh, of poor quality all around yeah yeah you know what I'll 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 side you with you on that I think the emotional value at the end of the match I thought I resonated with uh because we got to like we got to see Rhea a little bit out of character and, you know, I can, I can, I can get behind, you know, being the hometown hero and just like, I mean, you got to think like this girl's 27, you know, 28 years old, like the same age as me. And here she is at home in front of her family, in front of her country, being the, one of the biggest superstars of her caliber, like ever really like, like, and having you know, not wrestled in Australia in like five or six years or something, it was pre-COVID. It's so long, so long. So I just, I really, I'm really happy that she got that moment. I feel like it's well deserved. Um, yeah, that's all. Absolutely, that, that's super all. happy for it. Yeah. yeah, super happy. Like, shall we? And, uh, shall we move yeah. into Raw? Yeah, let's let's dive into Raw here. I fi- let's. I wonder, like, should we should we do piece by piece here, or should we just like look at the highlights? I mean, we're probably running about an hour twenty at this point with cuts. Um, so let's let's just go into it with a with an idea of being a quick rundown. All right. But we've got we've got we've got raw here coming from the SAP Center in San Jose, California, which makes sense. You know, send them right back across the pond and get them somewhere in California where there's not a lot of travel. Uh, Dom comes out, uh, leads leads us off, getting booed hard. Introduces Rhea. Crowd goes wild. 
She's basking in her glory, and <laughs> Becky comes out to interrupt. Uh, Becky gives her some props, gives her flowers, congratulates her, takes some shots at Dom, which was pretty great. Rhea just playing a great middle ground face here, just playing it cool, saying, are you done? When she's done. Yeah. Um, you know, cuts a decent promo centered around the man. You know, the man always thinks they're the best. The man always thinks that uh, that they're responsible for everything that happens in this world. Behind every great man is a great woman. I uh, really liked the promo. Thought it was incredibly solid. Really appreciated the angle they went with it. Kind of playing into it with the uh, chauvinism. Thought it was a very, very well done. And then here comes Nia Jax. Nia Jax. To fucking ruin it. And she beats the shit out of Becky because Becky needs something to do until Mania. That's basically the only basically reason. It's it. going to lead up to a match on SmackDown or Raw where Becky beats uh, Nia yeah. and proves that she's just as good as Rhea. And they'll give it another week and then it'll be Mania. Yeah, Officials yeah, come yeah. in, break it up, yada yada. Anything else I- you want to say about this one? No, no, I think Adam Pierce came out for this specific, like, official breakup spot, and uh, I saw a clip of him just, like, threatening to, uh, threatening to fine uh, Nia Jax for, for the attack, and then I think this sets up their, uh, did they, did they have a match later that night, later this night, or am I, or am I imagining that? No. No, okay. they're just building it up for the they're future. Building up. All right, never mind, never mind. I, I uh, did like the uh, the Adam Pierce moment where Nia Jax was waiting for him to hold the rope for her. And yeah, he was like, "I'm not holding the rope for you. I'm not holding the Get rope the for fuck you. Out of here. You're a piece of shit. You <laughs> fucked up. Get out of here, bud." Uh, I love that. So then we uh, we move right into Sammy versus Nakamura, and Sammy desperately needs a win here. In my yep. opinion, walking into this match, I'm like, if Sammy loses, he's turning heel. Um. Good, it's a back and yeah, forth match. They've you know fought a couple times in front of us um, in the last uh, well, a couple times yeah. or at least that one match. Um, uh, really balanced twice, yeah. back and forth match. Very balanced, very professional. Both people got their work in. Everything was very smooth. They both work a very similar style in a way. Uh, very that you might not really loose, appreciate kind of like like erratic sort of style. Like uh, this very like I don't know rubbery is probably the word that I'm. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, here. you know, like somewhere between cruiserweight and and big man stuff, you know, like very, yeah, very yeah. intercontinental, very USA championship, very mid card, mid card. Not, yeah, not not bruisers, but very technically sound a very Owen Hart. Their, yeah, their you, styles are, are very Owen Hart. Like, like, like you said, like my thought going into this, seeing this, like to me, I was just like, I'm okay with this because you, you know, I know exactly what I'm getting here. I'm getting a solid match between two well-worked professionals who know exactly what they need to do. They've got good crowd psychology. They, they, they know what they're doing. They know how to work safe, but they also know how to work a little bit dangerously. Like those Huluva kicks, like sometimes you got to eat those fucking things. (laughs) doesn't look fun. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or even the Kinshasa's, right? Like when, uh, yeah, when when Nakamura hit that Kinshasa off the top rope, like that was uh, that was that was pretty gnarly. It <laughs> was pretty yeah. gnarly. Look, and I wouldn't want to yeah. be on the receiving end of a worked one of those. And I love that. Um, I love that when they when they accept the hit, just like just take the bump, just take the fucking bump. It's fine. It's fine if you just yeah. hit each other in the meat. Just 
just do it. And and that's why that's why that's what we got here. We got exactly the package that we needed. And uh ultimately uh Sammy does get the win at the end. I think he we got we get he gets a he hits a blue bomber or what do we call that again? Was it a blue blue bomber? Yeah, blue thunder. He, that, that was like I was talking about earlier. He hit the blue thunder bomb and another another kick out. And yeah. I was just thinking like, God damn it, Sammy. We just like can you just please have him beat like um I don't know, someone who's like 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 one of the pretty deadly guys. You know? <laughs> like Not like someone boys. like that. Can we just can we just get him a win with a blue thunder bomb over someone who's not like a jobber, but who's also you know not a a main event superstar? Just like give that give that move a win for God's sakes. But yeah, <laughs> I like the spot with him breaking the ten count, and then they moved into the false finishes, and then Sammy got the win clean. I uh, really liked that. I don't know where they're going with him. I there was some rumblings through some of my friends that watch wrestling that they want to see Sammy join in on the Drew Rollins match as a triple threat. Not really here for that, but no, I understand no. the impetus. Uh, I think you, everyone wants to reward Sammy for the work he's done, but you have to remember that I don't know how realistic it is to have him be a world champion, and I hate it, no. but he's just not really there right now. No, he's not there now, but I could see, like, they teased it a little bit here after his win in a in a promo uh, where... Gunther and him might spark might spark some rivalry. Yeah, I have I yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there because I have some yeah. thoughts about that. Okay. Um cool. so quickly we have uh Chelsea Green and Raquel Rodriguez. I wanted to touch on something that I think we may have cut out of from earlier from the show. So the whole Rachel Gonzalez, Rachel Rodriguez thing. So from my Raquel. understanding or did I say Rachel? I, I write Rachel every fucking time. Uh, Raquel was went as she went by Raquel Gonzalez at in NXT, and then inexplicably when they brought her up, they changed it to Rodriguez out of nowhere for no fucking reason. I think maybe her name is actually Raquel Gonzalez, and they try to avoid giving using their real names because they want to protect the the IP, whatever. Sure. So I was watching the press conference for EC before it happened because I was bored at work, and I threw it on for a bit. And Triple H called her Raquel Gonzalez. And I thought he slipped up. And I knew about the Gonzalez-Rodriguez thing when I heard that. So I looked it up. And then someone had posted an article saying they returned, they were returning her name to Gonzalez. And then I stopped watching the press conference because I got busier at work. And it really wasn't that entertaining. There was nothing wild going on. So I didn't feel a need to go back. Then she got introduced at... Elimination Chamber as Rodriguez. I also want to touch on the fact that this poor woman, you saw her face, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Like, I feel so fucking bad for her. Like, for those of you who are unaware, she has like an autoimmune disease thing. I might be misclassifying uh, it, but right. she has a syndrome that makes makes her allergic to more things than normal. And so she can just break out. So if something happened on the flight or before the flight or somewhere between her last appearance and her appearance at EC, her face had just blown the fuck up. And I feel yeah. so bad for her that she's got to walk out and deal with these trolls on the internet calling her all kinds of names because she had an allergic reaction. It still hadn't settled by Raw when she came out. Yeah. Um, but anyways, they, they called her Rodriguez during the actual Elimination Chamber. 
those people who posted those articles were probably just like trying to get ahead of the game and going triple h confirms that he she's gonzalez again because i thought i had missed something from the press conference when i read those articles but no right she's still rodriguez he just misspoke because that's her actual name and he knows all of their actual names because he's their boss um so chelsea green versus raquel rodriguez uh, they played a uh, promo for CM Punk being in WWE 2K. Mm-hmm. But then they came back from the package and they talked about McAfee being in it, which was a bit weird. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, they were talking about like, I think they were announced, like, I think just that day they announced that CM Punk is going to be part of the the roster for 2K24, which, by the way, we are fucking getting. I'm getting 2K24. Um, I don't know if I'm getting it anymore <laughs> because I made a mistake. Okay. I woke up. I had Monday off. I took I All took right. Monday off to recover from my birthday. I woke up early, and I downloaded Baldur's Gate three. <laughs> no, no. And let me tell well, you, it's been fantastic. Yeah, but no. It is I'll see you all later. Consu- I've been I've been dreaming about it. I've been at work thinking about strategies. I uh, Anyway, okay, this is not a video game podcast. All I'm saying is I'm going to download WWE 2K. It's probably going to be a month or two later than I thought it was going to be because I was ready to buy it on day one, and then I bought Baldur's oh, Gate yeah. for, my, for myself as a birthday gift. And yeah, that no, that's totally fair. It's so fucking sick. It's really good. <laughs> so, it is it's really, so good. really good. It's really good. It's so unbelievably good. Oh my god. Okay. So yeah, I just found it weird that they that they, that they, they uh, the announcement was centered around CM Punk coming in, but then Cole and 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 McAfee really yeah. focused on McAfee being in it. But I think because I, at first I thought they just confused it, and there was going to be another promo later for McAfee being in it, and they like they switched them or something. No, but I no, just no. think it's because they at the end of the CM Punk promo they showed a clip of they sh- they showed a screenshot of all these people who were going to get added and McAfee happened to be a part of that and yes, that's why yes, they yes, talked yes. about it and that's why Cole went like oh you're going to be a part of it and McAfee was like yes I'm going to be a part of it blah 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 blah, blah. so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think I, right. I I saw I saw I saw where the, your confusion could come from but it made sense to me when you saw the name okay cool in there or saw cool. uh, yeah so. Chelsea Green and Raquel Rodriguez, they they send Chelsea out there with a mic and she cuts a classic heel promo against the crowd, just shitting all over San Jose and the Sharks and everything about the area. And then Raquel comes in and does her squash thing. Uh, anything you want to mention about this match other than that? It was pretty pretty straightforward. No, no, there's nothing really to mention. I don't know if I'm... I'm there's part of me that are like of two minds when it comes to the squash match because I'm seeing... Because there are... They they are they are a thing. They happen. Braun Breaker and uh, Dante Chen, uh, AOP, and those two other guys. Oh, those <laughs> then, poor two guys. Yeah, and then uh, we got Raquel Rodriguez and Chelsea Green. And I'm of two minds. Like I love squash matches because they are a great like like little snack. So it's just a little treat. Like especially when you have somebody like Braun Breaker, where who can go like 24 kilometers in a in a in a bouncing off the ropes. Uh, and then do a spear that looks like a fucking freight train hits hits them. That I love that stuff. Uh, but at the same time, if it's only gonna last maybe two minutes on screen, what's the point of actually doing the seg like doing the match? You know, 
You could have just kind of like just had Raquel Rodriguez and just beat the shit out of her. You know, <laughs> instead of doing a match. Well, they're necessary to put people over, but they're generally, especially in WWE, mostly just used for debuting superstars or returning superstars to kind of establish them in the the heads of the audience of what the expectations are. Yeah. And I guess that's what this was too. Raquel returning from injury to some extent to stomp out Chelsea. I understand um, that in in a in a I under I understand that in a functional way, like it's to to put the the winner over like for new wrestlers or old wrestlers but i i don't think it's i don't think it's very effective if you're just squashing somebody who is of no stature in that ring and i know it's saying that chelsea green is well, of, I mean, of no stature i was gonna like, say that kind of like gives more prompts props to chelsea because like she's a bigger deal than dante chen for sure, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. If you're gonna have a squash match, maybe that's the person you kind of have it. In. And that, she seems like a real team player. She understands her place in the company and has no aspirations. I, mean, I don't know if sure. she has aspirations, but she does. She understands her role right now in the company. For sure, and I think I, I I agree with you on that on that side. Like Chelsea Green, she has a bit more of a name. Like she came out, she cut a promo right before this match started. So that already puts her at a higher stand, uh, higher stature than. Uh, than Dante Chen, for example, who had no music, no ceremony whatsoever. It was just cut to commercial, cut back to the ring, and he's there. Uh, it's those matches that I'm talking about where there's, you just have jobbers in the ring. What's the point if there's it's if it's only going to take up three minutes of airtime and you got to fill out three hours or two and a half hours? I think just the point is is like you know delaying the build sometimes. Like maybe Braun goes yeah. out next week and stomps one of the LW No members, or okay, uh, all right, you have my attention here. Example, but you know, like uh, who's a tag team that's not really doing much right now on that? Maybe one of the Good Brothers, you know, one of sure. the OC, Carl yeah. Anderson or Gallows, you know, like you give them, you, you know, you start with Dante Chen. And then you give him a five-minute match with Carl Anderson or something. Or Gallows would be even better because he's a larger guy. And then you can kind of put him over a larger guy. Or maybe he beats the shit out of Omos in a ten-minute match. You know, you kind of have to build him up, number one. And you you have to do it in a way where he's not just fighting for the U.S. championship next week. Yeah. So, you know, this is just step one. It's a quick three-minute interlude. You can fit a promo before and after it. You know, it's part of the wrestling business. It is. It is. There, there. There's a functionality to it. I'm just complaining for the sake of complaining. But yeah, that's no, fine. It, I see your point. All right, so let's uh, let's move match. into the next one. We got Imperium um, heading out there with Gunther for a promo, and then a, presumably a match against the New Day after. So it's a decent Street promo match. by Gunther, working around some of the win over Jay, and talking a little bit about the Jimmy Angle and the Bloodline coming out. Um, and then he just basically quickly kind of pivots to who's going to face him at Mania. He throws out some names. He throws out Sammy, he throws out Gable, throws out The Miz, throws out R-Truth, maybe a way for and you know, upper brass. R-Truth's pop, <laughs> R -Truth's pop <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. Everybody I was going to say, like, I think this was a way for them to kind of throw out some names and see what the crowd, kind of get a sense of what the crowd felt about them. Yep. Um, but R-Truth got... Like a massive pop, and then immediately the Judgment Day comes out, which I did not see coming at all. I, uh, I yeah, I hear Judgment Day is coming out. Hmm, where are we going with this? Uh, and then we see, unfortunately, 
that Finn Balor has oh, so been bitten did. by Solo Sokoa. Yeah, so okay, he did have He a, a has been problem. infected with the Solo disease. He comes out mm-hmm. fully wrapped. It's only a matter of time before his skin starts turning Polynesian. He starts mm-hmm. having curly blonde hair and turning mm-hmm. into like a tiny little Solo. I, I really want them to release the footage of Solo backstage attacking him like a vampire and giving him <laughs> this. I don't think it's fair that this was not given to us. That's hilarious. I'd love that. Solo versus but Priest is there. <laughs> Priest is there to call him out as a group. Um, and that they, they want the Intercontinental Championship. And Gunther wants to know who wants the shot. So, you know, he talks a little bit about Priest. He says he's not going to use that money in the bank on him. Talks a little bit about Finn. And then Dom steps up, says some shit, and you know, boo. talks some crap, gets some booze. Gunther pushes him. They have to hold Priest back in a really infantilizing way. I thought I didn't like how they did that. No, no. I thought everything that the Judgment Day did here just was not maybe not everything, but a good portion of this was pretty weak, pretty weak uh, around the around around the board. Um, in fact, like it seemed to me, I, I had two thoughts going on while priest was talking. Either he wasn't expecting to go out there tonight and, and do this promo. Cause he just seemed like a little bit like on his back foot when, when talking, like I, he stuttered a little bit, uh, or he was baked. He was high shit. He had no idea where he was. He had to play this character, which is, and then you have this <laughs> giant Austrian man in front of you. And yeah, I look, I'd be scared too. I'd be frightened. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so the whole thing was a little interesting. I kind of want to punt on it though, because I think they don't even know what they're doing with it right now. So we'll move on to uh, the new day coming out, rocking some uh, San Jose shark sweaters and going for the street fight. The street fights are always a little bit toothless with the PG we're still, WWE yeah, era. We're, yeah, we're still in the PG um, stuff. Like, if you're gonna do a street fight, like, make it matter a bit, you know. And it see it feels weird to put a street fight on a, it's not a random Monday Night Raw. It's a first Monday Night Raw after EC, but it's still a random Monday Night Raw. Like, why would you put a street fight on a Monday Night Raw? I, I guess it's just to put an like put an end to the to the beef here. But there right. is a buildup though, you know, like it's been going for a while. So this is a pretty good exclamation point. There's no PLE in March. This is not a WrestleMania quality yeah. event. Uh, or match, I should say. So whatever they, I, I hopefully, I hope it ends here. I hope this is the, the the exclamation point. And and even though you know they did some good stuff here, they beat the crowd to the tables chant. Um, they get that out of the way real quick to put a table set up. They play with uh, it a little bit. They have Kaiser. He he goes to grab a table and he's like, "No, I'm not going to listen to you." Yeah, that was a little bit later, but yeah, like Kofi, Kofi and and Woods immediately go out and set up a table. They go into the break. They're already on the crowd when they come out of the break. There was a solid slap by Xavier Woods with like a beer or I don't know if it was a can or a cup because the camera angle was terrible. It was right out of the break, but he hit one of Imperium with that and it was a solid sounding hit. The beer (laughs) went flying. It was a really nice bit. Um... There was a nice double kick into the chair on Woods. Woods really got the shit kicked out of him in this match. And he props did. to him, he sold this entire match. There was the double kick into the chair when they had him wrapped up in the, the ropes in the corner. Yeah. 
Um, he took some solid shots with chairs and with kendo sticks. While well, most of the time, Kofi was just kind of in the corner chilling. He was really getting the worst of it. He went off the top, threw a table onto the ground. Yep. Like, you know, he, he hit it, but it was still him doing that shit. He got hit with the cookie sheet in the head at the finish. And then um, they put uh, they put him through that chair in the corner, like really hard. Yeah, he took shots. He took shots. It was a sure. it was it was a pretty good match all around for a street fight that in in this PG era, uh, it was safe. It picked up, but devastating, you know. And Woods fucking Woods is the MVP of this match and maybe of this night. He went out there and took some heavy shots, both in offense. And in defense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They if sold I can the add- violence very well. Yeah, I don't know if I can add too much about it. Um, I did think it was a little like 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 you said at the top, it's still street fight and PG era. So you wish you wish it could go a little bit further, but they worked with what they had and, and, and it worked. It was fine. Um Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of anything else that was kind of uh that comes to mind about that particular match. I just love Kaiser, man. I just, I love that. I Oh, um, I was going to say the, they had a little segment right before that kind of summed up the story with, um, with new day and Imperium up to this point. And just going back like a couple, like, I guess it must be like two months now, two or three months. They've been building this up. Uh, and it all started with that accident with Kofi kicking Giovanni in the head and getting him all. Yeah. Fucked that up. legit. Yeah. That, that legit, legit concussion. And I think this is just a great example of like a, a Triple H, maybe not Triple H, but a good example of booking where you can like, oh shit, this thing happened and you can milk it for for as long as they did. I hope it's it doesn't need to go any further than this because I'm kind of getting like, all right, what else can Imperium do? Like who can who else can Imperium fuck, fuck around with? Yeah, um, I'm getting a bit antsy with it as well. And I do think, I don't know if it's going to happen at Mania. Just because of the, you need to have that big match, but I do think the most legitimate ending to Gunther's reign, and the one that makes the most sense, is to have Kaiser win this. You know, like I think yeah. that's the best way to really get someone over here is to eventually, if anyone's gonna dethrone him, it would be Kaiser. I don't know if they're gonna go with it that way because I don't know what you do next after that. I guess you keep Kaiser as a heel and then move Gunther face when he comes back. But yeah, um, let's just move on because we, we got to get through all these. I got I got a three rapid uh, things here in succession and I'll, I'll right. ask you afterwards if you have any interest in them and, and speaking more about it. But we got Gable coming in asking for another shot at the IC. I'm not sure if that makes the most sense because, you know, he's already lost twice to Gunther, maybe three times. Um but again, another reasonable person to get over with a win over Gunther. And then we had Baszler and Stark versus Hartwell and Loray. They gave Loray some early offense, but, you know, it was a quick Stark and Baszler takeover. Hartwell finally got in the match, got a couple shots in, and they quickly dispatched her with the rear naked choke, and it's over. Uh, pretty much a glorified squash match on the tag. Truth in the back with DIY and The Miz. Talking Great about stuff. Regeneration X. Like, again, we've talked about this. It's so good. I'm here for it, but there's not much more to say that we haven't said over and over again every week. And then uh, McIntyre 
comes out to spit fire. So before we get into McIntyre, do you have anything on Baszler started Cartwell Array, the Chad Gable IC request, or uh, the R-Truth stuff? R-Truth just made it back from Austria really quickly. I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, bravo. Yeah. So McIntyre comes out. He's ready to spit fire. Uh, delivers a little bit of a promo here talking about how his eardrum got blown out, but he would never miss Mania because he's not CM Punk. It wouldn't miss if he Love it. an injury. <laughs> then he sits down, CM Punk style, cross-legged in the middle of the ring. Love it. Talks shit to, to a fan about don't go up the kilt. Says he drank twice as much on the way home from Australia because Punk straight edge. <laughs> he wanted to make up for it. And then I'm already like on the floor dying. And then here comes Rollins. So Rollins is doing his thing. The same old tired shtick that honestly the crowd seems to love it. I'm not here for it. I, uh, you know it, what, man? Fine. I'm I, I like it. I, I like Rollins. That's Kate cool. I, you know, Kate I, I get I like why you would like it. You know, it's, not to be dismissive. I understand why people like it. Yeah, I mean, the the only bit that I get tired of is the is the song and dance at the beginning. And to be, if I'm being completely honest, I'm also a little bit tired of that with Cody as well. Sometimes I I, I will skip the intro because I just want to just get to the how dare you get to the meat. I just want to get to the meat. I love I love my woes. I love my woes, but. Sometimes the Rollins intro is fine. I fast forward it every time now. I get it. I get people love to sing the song. The character is what bothers me more. I don't like the half Joker. <laughs> like I am a revolutionary. I am a revoltinary. Yada yada yada. I don't care. I'm not here for it. It's fine. I understand why people like it. Right, but I personally right. am not here for it. But it's not. I don't. I don't think he's Nia Jax. No, you know, no, no, like no. I'm not. He doesn't no. have go away heat with me, but it, it, I do have. I'm, I've bored heat with. with sure, him. yeah. Well, for so Kate, Rollins though, is for a, somebody for somebody that doesn't watch wrestling. Well, Kate does watch wrestling at this point now. She's a fan, but Kate loves his outfits. Loves his outfits. She can't wait till he comes out and show and he shows what outfits he's wearing. are great. And she's no like, I love that. It's like watching it's Drag fun. Race. Yeah, it is. It kind of is. Yeah. He's got exceptional style. When he had those uh, third eye sunglasses at in Australia, the Prince style fun. third eye glasses, I was I here for that. it. Yeah. All right. Um. So I, this was a really good promo. Drew wants Rollins to back away from the bloodline stuff. He wants Rollins at a hundred percent. He wants his undivided attention. He wants legitimate win, but he'll take the win no matter how he can get it, and he states it that way. Like, I want you to stop fucking around with the Cody and Bloodline shit so I can have you. But if you do not stop fucking around with the Cody and Bloodline shit, I will have no problem ending you at 85%, at 75%. I love... This is the Drew I want. We've talked about it before. I don't want Drew doing heel shit. I want Drew doing smart shit that can be misconstrued as heel shit. I want him to be selfish. I don't want him to be evil. No, I he, thought this I, was a very good approach. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 bad, but he's not he's not bad. Yeah, he's not bad. He's just he's bringing relevant points to this. Yeah, and he's the voice of he's the voice of the voiceless reason to some extent. <laughs> he's not the voice of the voiceless. <laughs> he, he um he 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 brings this approach of asking for like he brings a reasonableness to the table of being like look 
I don't want to do it this way, but I will if I have to. I'm not going to be honorable for the sake of honorable. I want wins. But I also don't want to... I don't want to win by interference, but I'll take it if I have to. I like that approach. I love yep. that side of Drew, and I want them to emphasize that. Yep. You know, Rollins says he wants to cut the head off the bloodline, that that's more important. Yada, yada, yada. We already know Cody's building the Avengers. But I love that Drew's just like, nah, B, I don't give a shit. I want that title. Yeah, and I want a legitimate title match. And and they keep referring back to the... I haven't seen his WrestleMania win back in the Thunderdome days. But uh, I can imagine, like, legitimately, that's sucking for him. Like, his first ever title run. Yeah. And it's in front of a bunch of television screens. It's just, it's not, it's not great. Uh, so... Him working with that as well and bringing that up to like put that little bit of emphasis on points. Drew's crushing. Drew is crushing right now. I'm loving everything that Drew is putting out. Let me, I'll gobble it up. Let's go. Absolutely. So let's let's bang out a couple more here things that, that don't really matter as much. We got Nia and Liv. I wrote here, can't wait. Yeah, so excited for this match. We're, we're fucking, let's breeze through this. All this, let's get to Waller yeah. Cody. <laughs> I feel bad for Liv here because she ate the pin. What did we talk about on SmackDown? She ate the pin against uh, Tiff before Tiff. Elimination Chamber. And now she's just getting absolutely dominated by Nia here, which makes sense because you need Nia to kind of stomp, given her position in the card, and build it up a little bit more for Becky. But yeah, so Nia mostly stomps. We get some telestration out of the break. Love that. McAfee and Cole hitting the telestrator again. I'm all here for it once a week yeah. at least. Uh, a really, really nice looking code breaker from the top by Liv that uh, Nia sold really well um, and, and took really well and was very protective of Liv. So again, I'm here to give credit for Nia where it's due. Um, she looked pretty good in this match all around, actually. For a squash match, she looked a lot more crisp. She did a safe job, too. Um, she was a lot better than she has been with protecting her opponent. Uh, I thought I thought this was a really solid match for Nia, to be fair. Um, all around, especially given the circumstances. But then Becky comes in and starts working Nia around. We got a DQ yeah. finish. This is what it is. Uh, then we'll move in. We got Waller and Theory in the back. Waller says he does. He did everything to protect Theory at Elimination Chamber, and Theory gave some great faces. That was fun. <laughs> um, nice to see a shout out to Oli, as I said at the top of the break, or sorry, at the top of the show. Nice to see Oli a shout out coming in, coming out of the break to him. Uh, as he's not really a WWE guy. Then we get into the Jay interview backstage. I mean, like this man needs to breathe. He can't keep up with his own improvisations. Like, I get it. You're really excited, and that's your whole shtick right now. But I'm starting to get a little annoyed with, like, the Jay hype train because he's just going a little too fast for his own brain when he delivers these promos. Hey, man, I feel ya. I feel you. You got a bunch of words in there. You want to get them out. Then sometimes they all come out at once. I feel you. It's all just a big old jumble. But uh, Drew comes in, says that Jay deserves everything that's happened to him. They start fighting. It's completely unresolved. Whatever. Yeah. And then we get into Waller versus Cody, which is uh, last match of the night. You know, it's going to lead into some bloodline shit. Um, I thought uh, Cody was did a very good job here of letting Waller get his spots in. You know, I think Waller does have a future. He's very talented in the ring. He hasn't really been able to show it as much. Yeah, I was um, actually in his time really on SmackDown. 
I was actually really impressed with uh, Waller's performance here. Like, uh, I obviously you're working with Cody, who is, you know, like it's Cody. He's one of the he's one of the best in there. He's the man. Uh, so you have that you have that ability to work with somebody to help elevate you. And like you said, like Cody let him have his spots. And I thought it was like uh, to be honest, if I was just tuning in for the first time, maybe if I, if I just came in in as a lapsed fan where I know how wrestling kind of works, I would have been convinced here that these guys are both at the top level of the card just by how they work together. Right. When Waller isn't at the top level of the card, but the way that they worked here, really good stuff, really good stuff. Yeah. Waller had a very solid match. Um, and, and I'm again, kudos to Cody for putting him over too. Like, you know, Cody could have just made it a squash if he had wanted to. He could have politicked it and do a squash, in my nope, opinion. Nope. There's Gave one him a really match. badly missed uh, gut kick, gut kick made worse by the camera <laughs> angle. <laughs> yeah. But from, other than that, like, from Cody? I'm, I'm sure we're going to see that on botch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With the, he kicked him and they did the sit down slap up gold dust yeah, style. I, yeah. That was rough. But, you know. It is what it is. But, like, headed into the first break, uh, Michael Cole says the internet is going nuts that Paul Heyman has been confirmed in the building, which I don't know how legit that is. But, you know, we see where we're going. Come out of the break. Uh, again, more nice balance here. Waller getting some rub, but, you know, getting a little heat, getting a little momentum. Cody shuts it down. Getting a little momentum. Cody shuts it down. Yeah. And we're coming to the end here. Still 10 minutes left. Wonder where we're going. So they finish up. Heyman comes with security. And then Paul says San Jose, California, which Love is it. a little lame, even for Paul. Like, really? that's kind All of right. a fucking lame bit. And then he says the security are actually NYPD officers that have been suspended. Paul is an old man, and he's used to working the territories. In the before time, when he was the New York guy in the South and playing that North-South rivalry. So I see where he's coming from. But I'm not sure if there's really much of a rivalry between New York and San Jose. I I don't know (laughs) if it was anything to do with the fact that they were New York City retired or like I I don't know if it was like an east versus west sort of thing. Maybe it was. I, I don't read it as that because I'm not like a sports Fan, maybe it has to do with sports. Maybe it's you know West Side. I just read it more as like a territorial thing, right? But I just read it as a very. I thought this was a very ECW like late '90s, early 2000s kind of segment where you know Paul, like I could see Paul back in the late '90s at at ECW in I think it was Philadelphia where they were doing like those old old days, uh, coming in with quote unquote suspended police officers because it's edgy and cool and you don't know what the police officers would do because they're cops and they, you know there's a different realm of danger involved uh but here it just it's just kind of like it's just it's more gimmicky than anything else it doesn't add any presence to it um but just before we move on there's one of the police officers he actually started going viral probably because he was just a nice handsome looking dude. And uh, he's he he's done like voices for WWE video games in the past, and he's been like he's worked as a jobber. Anyway, I, his Twitter oh, has really? just exploded in the last little bit, where they just like who's this <laughs> handsome guy standing behind Paul, and now he's like now he's like just getting an actual fan base, and I thought that was kind of fun. Fair enough, and that was and that was fine. I mean, it was all pretty straight 
forward. You know, Paul essentially tells Cody he wants him to stop talking, talking about The Rock. Cody says he doesn't give a shit. He was a fan of The Rock like everyone else. Um, when Paul's like, hey, yeah, I, I'm sure you don't mind me stepping into the ring. And Cody's like, no, you may not. <laughs> and then Cody says, if anyone takes another step, everyone's going down. Paul's tries to get in. And then Cody's like, that counts. He clears house. Paul does the phone bit where he's like, call Roman Reigns. And then he pulls out a second phone phone. with a Brahma bowl on it. It says, call the rock. Call the rock. (laughs) And then Cody says he isn't hunting the blood or the bloodline isn't hunting him. He's hunting the bloodline. And then the cop jobbers get fucking smashed again. It was all very traditional old school wrestling. Pretty straightforward. Any more comments you want to give to the end of the, the end of Raw? No, I, I, I mean, I actually kind of like this. It, it showed a little bit of teeth on Cody that we haven't seen very much before. Like, I, we've seen such a baby face Cody for so long that I, you, you forget that this guy's can like, he can, he can fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, having him uh, show up with a with a chair and just beat the shit out of a bunch of no names uh, was fun to me. Uh, it, like I said, it, it showed some teeth on Cody and the anger that he was showing here, uh, helped sell it for me. And it, 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 it was the, it was the level of storytelling that I was kind of expecting more of at like EC, like you could have done this exact same spot at EC, but just replaced the jobbers with bloodline members, like actually Jimmy and solo Sokoa and then have, you know, Paul going, you know, pulling out the two phones, you know? So Mm. It seems weird to me to put it on a raw and with jobbers because I feel like it would have fit well in an EC. But uh, other than that, I liked it. I, I liked uh, the performance. Uh, I liked the match more than I thought I was going to like the match. I thought, like you said, it could have been a squash match. But it, Cody gave Grayson his due. Like he put him over a little bit. And I thought he didn't have to do that, but he did. And I appreciate that. Yeah, fair. I think that's I think I, I, I like the. I liked it, too. It was very old school wrestling. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Like like we've been talking about all episode, they're kind of treading, and we're 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 ramping up. We're ramping up to me. I yeah, and I they they should be ramping up because they've been teasing me for so long. If they don't ra- start ramping up soon, I'm gonna start pulling my hair out and screaming on the internet again. For sure. All right. Well, it's time to play a game. Have <laughs> All right. All right, let's end this. Another over two-hour episode, which I honestly thought was coming with the EC stuff. But, uh, okay. Here we go. Let's get some volume <laughs> on this. They left to make movies. Results have been kind of mixed. But he's made a quite a bit of money. It's Rock's box office. Oh. Rock's box office. Rock's box office. All right, I call this game Rocks Office. Will, I wanted to give you something a little bit outside of wrestling. Give you a chance to actually win one of these suckers. This right. is the top 10 
box office worldwide not adjusted for inflation from Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay. Dwayne right. the Rock Johnson. So I will tell you right now that he, uh, according to this website that I have up here, he has made over $5 billion as an actor in movies. He has made close to, I'd say, less than you would think, actually. I'd say this is about, let's see, four, five, ten, only about 40 movies, I'd say, as actor. Okay, Coming that's respectable. But I want from you, Will, I want the top ten in rock box office. Oh, man. For his career. No hints yet. I will give you some hints later on as we start nailing them down. But let's uh, let's hear some guesses. Top ten. I will tell you the number one movie. His worldwide box office is one point five million. Sorry, billion dollars. Yeah. One point five billion dollars. And his lowest movie is a Netflix movie, Red Notice. I don't know if you remember that one with Ryan Reynolds and Gal yeah. Gadot. Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, that box office was one hundred and seventy three thousand. But it was a Netflix movie, and it was released technically during the pandemic so can't hold that against him too much fair enough fair enough okay all right top 10 and you want me just to just work from top from 10 up and just kind of see where i'm we just go? gonna give you i'm gonna give you carte blanche here i want you to try to get in 10 guesses as much as you can get from the 10 but you can start with anything and i'll tell you if it falls in the top 10 uh black adam for number 10 wow well black adam so by certain metrics <laughs> and different websites, it did fall in the top 10. But when I found this one that was the definitive top 10, it unfortunately Damn, is okay. incorrect. It is the 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13th highest grossing movie at $390.5 right, right, million. Right. Dollars. So we got to go more popular than Black Adam. More popular than Black Adam. That's gonna be tough. <laughs> I will give you. I will give you three hints. Okay. One. One you can ask me is the name of his character in the movie. Another one is the year. And the third one is. I will just give you another of your choice: name or year. Okay. Uh, let's do year of number 10. The year of number 10. How about this? I will give you a range of years you for the 10. Bitch. <laughs> I, the, for the top 10, they all fall between 2011 and the current day. Oh, for fuck's number, sake. Number 10 was in 2015, May 29th, 2015, oh, where okay. he played a character named Ray. Uh, who, uh, Ray, 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 would that be San Andreas? Wow. <laughs> did not see you nailing that one. <laughs> did you watch that movie? Because I no, sure as no, fuck didn't. No, I just remember the DVD when we worked at the video store together, <laughs> just being plastered everywhere. Wow. I never watching and going like. I did not expect that at that all. Seems like, that <laughs> seems like a hit. 
at $456 million is May 29th, 2015, San Andreas. So you're one for two so far. All right. What's your guess for number three? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, your guess for your third guess, not for specifically number three. My third guess for... Uh, well, I will tell you, and these ten movies... One, two, three, four, five, six of them are from a single franchise. Well, we all know what that is. Um, so for number nine is what I'm guessing here, right? You you can guess anything in the top ten. Oh, guess anything in the top ten. Um, I think number one would be Moana. Okay, Moana is in the top ten and is not number one. It is damn. number nine. Oh, damn. Okay. It, so you, I'm going to give you that one. Moana is correct. Okay. Wow, number nine. Six hundred and twenty, six hundred and thirty million dollars. Okay. With rounding up. All right, all right. So then, for number eight, I want to go with. Oh, what the fuck was that movie? Uh, number eight. I want to go with uh, the Jungle Book, or not Jungle Book, uh, Jumanji, the first one, Jumanji one. Jumanji, the first one, is number three on the list. That is Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. We got fun and games at $961 million. Okay. Is number three. I'm going to give you that one, too. Okay. So number three is Jumanji. That's interesting. Uh, Dr. Smolder Bravestone. (laughs) Okay. For number... You don't have to guess number. You can just guess. You can guess anything. Oh, and as okay. long as it's in the top ten, I'm going to give you the point. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So then I'm going to three put... for four so far. Okay, then I'm going to get. Uh, I'm going to put Fast Five in there. Fast Five is at number eight. I think you nailed it two times here. Sweet. Number eight, Fast Five. As Luke Hobbs making six hundred and twenty, you know, six hundred and thirty million. So yeah, one million more than Moana. I would go. Well, when was his last one? Was it Fast? It wasn't Fast. Not. I think. I think it was Fast Eight. I think Fast Eight. No was probably comment. Oh no! Was he Fast? Was it Fast Ten? That was his. Like he wasn't in Fast Ten because all the controversy that happened in Fast Nine. Ugh. No I don't, comment. I don't know my fast. I don't know my fasts. I'm sorry, everybody. But I am going to put... So Fast 5, we already said. I'm going to put Fast 6, Fast 7, Fast 8, and Hobbs and Shaw in that top 10. So you're saying 6, 7, 8, and Shaw. Correct. Okay. So at number 5, we have Fast and Furious number 6. With $789 million. Okay. At number one, Furious 7. Furious 7. The there seventh movie in the shit at $1.5 billion. Yeah. But not, then, not popular because of The Rock, popular because of death. Of course, exactly. <laughs> Don't forget. At number two, The Fate of the Furious, which I do believe is the eighth one because they have the fate of the Furious. Yep. And then at number four, nope, 
At number six, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> so, Will, you're doing pretty good here. You've only messed up on your first guess, and I think it's mostly because you didn't understand how the game worked. Okay, okay, fair enough. So we've got number one with Fast 7. Uh, number two was what again? Did you say it was Fast So, yeah, number one, Furious 7. Number two, Fate of the Furious. Number three, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jumble- Jungle. Number four, you haven't got. Number five, Fast and Furious, which was... Um, or sorry, Fast and Furious 6. Number six, Hobbs and Shaw. Number seven, you have not got. Number eight, Fast Five. Number nine, Moana. And number 10, San Andreas. Wild that San Andreas is on this list. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I remember the marketing being crazy for that one. So I'm I'm, I'm missing. So you have uh, one more guess to get either fourth or seventh. Okay. Ooh. Now, I don't know if it's... I don't know if he's in Fast 9. That's the one I'm really struggling with. But I feel like... I feel like... And this is adjusted for inflation? This is not adjusted for inflation. Not adjusted for inflation. Okay. That, not, that, not adjusted. That helps. And these are all from 2011 to 20 to today. Um... Number four, number four, wouldn't number, oh, you know what? I'm going to say number seven would be the second Jumanji movie. You are incorrect, but it is number four. Fuck. Jumanji, the next level. All right. Featuring Dr. Smolder Bravestone. Crazy to me that those Jumanji movies are as big as they are. You got nine out of ten, so you won the game. Number seven is a Fast and Furious movie. Which Fast and Furious movie is it, Will? Well, it's got to be Fast 9, then. It is not, Will. You did not do your homework. You did not watch Fast 10 and see the after credit sequence when they brought back the motherfucking rock. Fuck off. That doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Some other wild ones on here. Um, So, yeah, number 11 is Mummy Returns. Which not adjusted for inflation is a crazy number. That's a crazy. It's four hundred and thirty-five million, and it came out in two thousand and one. That I was considering. Game. I was considering that until I had to like think. Oh right, it's from twenty eleven till now. And then next up is Rampage, which I completely forgot about. Oh my god, um, twenty eighteen. And then Black Adam, and then GI Joe Retaliation, which I heard great things about that movie. Never ended up watching it. Twenty twenty one is Free Guy. Do not remember him in Free Guy, but he wants to play. He must have had a cameo or something. I yeah, probably and uh, then a bunch of other fucking weird nondescript movies: Journey Two, The Mystery, whatever, whatever, Skyscraper, Hercules, Get Smart, Central Intelligence, Jungle Cruise, just a bunch of stuff that like I completely forgot that he did. Baywatch, the DC League of Super Pets. Yeah, yeah, he voiced that made two hundred and three million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, he voiced Superdog in it or something. Oh, no, Black Adam Dog. He did. No, you nailed it. No, Crypto Superdog? the Superdog. God damn it. And, uh, oh, and if that's if that's the case, then 100% Kevin Hart's Bat Dog. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's get out of here. We've already went too far, uh, over two hours, but I think we'll get a little bit cut here from our from our stops. Um yeah, I mean, another productive week in the, the wrestling universe. Uh, please go out there, rate and review our podcast. It means so much for our viewership. 
get on YouTube and just play our channel all night on mute to get us views. There you go. And then maybe like someone will like get the algorithm to alert them to the fact that we exist. That'd be cool too. Email us at 14123 uh, percent at gmail.com. Will, what do you got for us for plugs this week? I got no plugs. Just stay away from playing shitty gigs in the middle of nowhere when you can help it. Stay stay home. Stay warm. Try not to stay home. Play Baldur's Gate. Play baby. Baldur's play Gate. Play 2K. Play WWE 2K24. Do that. It's way better than Canmore. Yeah, I'm playing a lot of Death Stranding. Cochran? Late, late Canmore? Lately. Cochran? Canmore? Canmore. Cochran? Oh, go, don't go to either. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't go to Cochran. Um... All right, well, that's it for this week. We'll catch you next week where we're going to have another shorter episode, hopefully, while we whittle this down and make it more attainable for us to touch on other subjects. Um, You know, guys, the numbers don't lie. We did the math. That spelled disaster for you at Sacrifice. We'll see you next week.